to see the situation that is on the ground with Israeli bombs that are there for 20 days against the helpless Palestinian people with 7,000 men, women, and small children, half of them children, killed by Israel in the last 20 days. 17,000 injured. 1.1 million Palestinians displaced. The enormity of the crimes that are being committed by Israel against the Palestinian people are so great and enormous that it is amazing that when my friend from Canada insists on naming the organization Hamas, that he does not feel the need for the equity and balance and fairness for which Canada is so well known. He does not feel the need to name Israel for killing 7,000 Palestinians and injuring 17,000. Only Hamas. Is this balance? He says what needs to be named has to be named. We believe Israel needs to be named if you are fair. If you are equitable, if you are just, you will not blame one side and not the other. And if you were to go back to the issue of who started this, we all know who started this. It is a 50 years of Israeli occupation and the murder and killing of Palestinians with impunity that started this. When you push a people into the corner, they will respond. This is what the Secretary General said. It did not happen in a vacuum. And look at the reaction that, was, that came from the Israeli representative, insulting the Secretary General, calling for his resignation. They can't face the truth. They can't face justice. They can't fair, face the fact that the, crime, that the crime has originated with the Israelis. The Israeli occupation is the original sin in this case. It is not what happened on the 7th of October. That is a proximate cause. But the real cause is the occupation of Palestine. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, October 29th, 2023. I apologize for the delay in getting started. There's, I can't even begin to get into all the different things that were going wrong before I tried to start the show today. And it's unbelievable to me. I, I, what I, was, I personally feel very, very strongly that, that I am being 
manipulated in a lot of different ways, past interviews that we've seen. And a lot of people are, for that matter. It's not unique to me, but I very strongly believe that there are efforts to try to hinder the work of certain topics and certain efforts. And I wanted to tell you guys in general, as you know well from my work, I will, especially when I feel that I am being deterred from doing something, whether it's, you know, the glitches do happen. But when I feel like I'm being deterred from something, it makes me work all the harder to make sure it happens. I will go above and beyond to make sure I get something done if I feel I'm being deterred from that. And I don't care how much is being put in my path. It just That's just how determined I am. But I don't even want to get into how many different... I, I thought I wasn't going to get the show out today. I literally thought there things were crashing. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. And that's not worth wasting more time on. But I, I just want to make sure you guys understand that there is a lot a lot of manipulation happening around this topic more than, I mean, more than anything I think I've ever seen. It's staggering. And I think those are all the reason we well know the, the Zionist manipulation of a lot of things that were finally the general population finally being able to talk about or finding the courage or having the courage to be able to say, yes, that's obviously a problem and not get scared away by the conflation of you being a racist or pointing out a Zionist agenda that is a political party and government actions. It's very, very incredible to me, but we have a lot to get into today. In general, I think the important topic is to recognize, as I put in the title today, that this is something that seems to be the plan. It seems this seems to uh, there's leaked documents we'll talk about. This seems to be the effort long before this event, as as the uh, representative of Pakistan was saying right there. This is not something that just started. This is an ongoing problem, and you have to recognize where it began. And we have to recognize that the plan has been to get rid of these people for a very long time. And that the, the, the lies about the two-state solution coming from the Western governments, it's explicitly the opposite of what you hear from Israeli representatives. Going back decades, I mean, it's, it's, it's really obscene to see the difference and know that people's lives are caught in the middle. Now, there's a, there's a lot to go over today in regard to the United Nations. More people have died. There's more information coming out about the ongoing bombings of hospitals, the ground the, the the way they're framing it, the ground invasion that's still not happening with little incursions here and there. It doesn't seem like it's ultimately going to. It does appear that there's been reports now of U.S. forces actually on the ground. I argue that's probably been that way from the very beginning. And it seems very clear that Russia and anybody else that's watching is very aware of that. And they're acting in accordance with that. But it's interesting that there's not been more action because of that. But we'll get into all of this today. But ultimately, I wanted to start also with something I thought was important. And this is around the medical freedom conversation, the FDA. And it's not a huge point in the larger COVID-19 conversation, but I found it's something that we've been really driving home about the getting multiple shots at the same time and how their own documentation shows that they have no idea if that's safe, why they never even studied it. And yet they'll happily come out. Mandy Cullen will come out and act like she knows it's safe and effective when she doesn't. So she's either lying or she's too stupid to know she's lying. And they're telling you this and now we have a study that comes out from the fda that says what do you know looks like a flu shot with the covid shot could cause a stroke well shocking it's almost like we should have been talking about that right or the idea that they told you it was safe and effective safe and effective until something is found why don't we go maybe let's look into it first and say, let's find out if it's safe and effective before saying it's safe and effective and then wait to find a problem to go, oh, looks like there's a problem. The point is, it doesn't seem like they even care. And the people that are telling you it's safe, most of them don't even realize that they're lying to you because they are in positions that they shouldn't have, if that's the thing that they're saying without knowing what they're talking about. But it's something that I want to make sure we start on today. 
But in general, I think that what's going on today is just absolutely transparent. It's very clear. And I think everybody truly sees it. I think like with the COVID discussion, their actions have completely turned this narrative. I mean, they've the Zionist government has had a lot of blind support from people that just don't understand what's going on and governments that make sure that's the case. Now, because of what's happened, because of the onslaught, the, the ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity, the horrible and condemn worthy actions that Hamas carried out against civilians. And I'm only talking about civilians in Israel has been completely overshadowed. Now people that were on that line saying this is more important, they're, they're, it's impossible for them if they have a heart and a soul to say, to act like this is justified, to act like what's going on in Gaza is even because of what's going on, what happened on the 7th. And that's the whole point about this. So today's show is a lot of information packed in in one stream and kind of coherent conversation, as I like to do sometimes, as it all kind of ties together. But Let's start today, and, and so you guys can see here the clip or the where this came from. I actually will be playing this again later, and it, it comes into play again. But I want to go to a couple. Oh, and before that, actually, Derek put out a great article today. I always like to shout these out in the start. Five ways your privacy is under attack and how to protect it. And he recently did one about health. Five ways your health is under attack, and it's a similar way. And it's good information. In this case, social media, smartphones. Interestingly, some overlap to both the health focus your health issues and your privacy issues. Interesting how there's intersection there. We all know that. Smart devices, smart cities, uh, you know, each one of them has what you can do about it, which is important. Sites, the links and the information that you can take action on. Now, to start in general, I wanted to play. Oh, actually, I don't think I even downloaded this. Let me grab this real quick. Well, you know what? It's not even important to waste time on listening to what they're saying. The point is, he says, I want a harsher lockdown policy. In retrospect, I was wrong. And this is a professor here on the Bill Maher show with the you know uh, mayor of uh, uh, was the, for, the former mayor of New York, Cuomo, saying I was wrong. But here's the bottom line. We were doing our best. Let's give grace and forgiveness. Let's give a little grace and forgiveness. I and mean, we've had this already. We've, we've heard we had the, the call for amnesty. We had multiple efforts to try to let's go. Let's put this all behind us. We're all moving forward. Right, guys? Usually the criminals are saying that, right? My point was, this is a lie. Many saw this very early. You know this. You did. We talked about it. Now, at that point, we didn't prove anything, but we were like, there's a problem here. Not because we knew this would cause myocarditis, because we didn't yet. But early, 2020. Early 2021. Even, well, let's just say, let's just say 2020. Because in 2021, we were proving things. In 2020, right in the beginning of this, even the first month or two, we were going, this is a problem. There's something very strange. Event 201 to the people who were paying attention. There was something very unnerving about what was going on. And even the way that they rolled this out, build back better, build back better, build back better. The great reset, all the same terminology that the average person had no idea what they thought you were crazy for pointing it out, right? My point was that was the earliest indication and that wasn't being proven, but we were going, Hey, people like you, this professor here, we see a problem. And they know what they did. They said, you're crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. You don't trust the science. Okay. 2021 comes along. That's when people like Whitney and myself and many others in many other platforms were begin to prove things. For instance, they never tried to stop transmission. Yeah. We proved that in 2020 actually, because it was in their documentation. And in 2021, Kyle Zacks from Moderna points this out and says, yeah, we didn't even get paid. Forbes wrote an article in 2020. It wasn't broke in 2022 in the European Parliament. That's when many of the 
the partisan players pretended that was the case. The reality was it was always there. They called us liars. Early into 2021, we began to say, look at this. It looks like we see a signal for myocarditis because of the science, because of their documentation. Just arguing it was possible got my entire YouTube channel removed. Talking about heart, heart attacks and blood clots got us removed from Patreon and PayPal. All these things were not hypothetical. We were going, here is the science that makes this clear. People like that, you're a lunatic. You don't trust the science. Look at what the CDC is saying. This is why this is so frustrating to me. I said many, we, many of us saw this early. Then many of us proved this very early, which was the case. Not guessing. There were plenty guessing and making up lies. And some of those lies intersected with the truth or uh, their assumptions, I should say. But many of us, not, my, not just myself or Winnie, but many of us were proving these things, as you guys well know. And so I said, no. So you were not operating with imperfect information, which is what they're saying, giving a, a pass to all the people that very well knew that there wasn't misinformation or wrong information, that they were lying, whether or not he was aware of that. The point is, whether or not he was aware of it, the information was there and he was dis disregarding it. My point was you were operating on lies, not misinformation, not imperfect information. And you refused to listen to those of us pointing that out. That was a choice. That's important. Whether or not you were misinformed, misled, you made a choice to ignore our perspective. You're always responsible and accountable for your choices. Always. Whether or not you made a mistake, whether or not still you're responsible, you're a grown up. You don't get to go, oh, let's, we made, let's just move forward. I, now we can not, we can move forward, and someone in your position, I might just go, I might just kind of write you off as somebody who I will never look to or trust ever again. But the government and people that you're giving a pass to when you say that, that's dangerous. And I think this is the whole point, and that's why this is being quietly rolled out now while everyone's paying attention elsewhere. And even Bill Maher with his wishy-washy BS, like there's times when he sometimes says things. I'm like, yeah, like that sounds. He seems like he sees it. But then he's here, nods along with this guy, even though he's expressed very different opinions many times. Just like Blinken nodding along with Saudi Arabia when he talks about not hurting civilians. Well, you literally just said it was okay. These people are all liars. That's my opinion, obviously. Maybe they're all just, there's different levels of what we're talking about. But my God, this is really frustrating when we see this and still, still no accountability. Fauci's making millions of dollars on speaking tours. Nobody cares. Nobody's trying to get people. I mean, I, there is action happening. But so many topics, there's no accountability. There's, I'll get to another one in a second. This is the one that I think that I had to talk about today. ABC News. Think about how brave it is for ABC News to break this story, right? How brave. When really, there's nothing different about the story. The static information has been the same from the beginning of this and long before. The same thing's been going on forever. The MMR shot, for example, they never tested those alongside each other. That's literally in one vial. They never tested them next to each other. That's something that Dell Bigtree and Andrew Wakefield and people were screaming about. And guess what? You're a conspiracy theorist. Well, it's not a conspiracy. They weren't tested next to each other. And we should know, right? <laughs> Fair, crazy lunatic. And that wasn't the only thing they were talking about. Obviously, there was a huge study about the, the issue, the autism, and specifically black young boys in regard to what the CDC, I think it was Thompson, revealed and then got pushed out. They, they literally burned evidence in, literally inside the office. Anyway, the point is, this has always been there. They never studied these next to each other. As I think I have right here, I've made clear many times. This goes back to 2022, but I was pointing out well before that. This is one of the other accounts. Thanks for Brian Richmond letting me use this while I was censored on Twitter. 
how can the COVID jab, at this point, it was about the bivalent and the original, be given at Walgreens, CVS, alongside the flu shot? Literally marketed, as we see today, jaw. You have two, God gave you two arms, Mandy Cohen. Get them at the same time. Everybody is pushing that. Everybody. My point was at this time, their own data showed very clearly. We don't know if that's safe. It's, I've had this up a hundred times. So here's what ABC reports. October 28, 2023. Older adults who received last year's COVID booster and a high-dose version of the flu vaccine in the same visit may have a potential increased risk of stroke. Well, guess what? You know how you would have known that? Had you done the study before pretending you knew it was safe? I mean, it's amazing that we even have to point this out. That's egregious, guys. That is a clumsy, blatant example that they either... I mean, it's they did not know it was safe, and their own data showed that. So whoever was saying that was either lying to you, knowingly lying for whatever disgusting reason, or literally thought they had done that and didn't know any better and is somehow in a position of authority. I mean, think about how wild that is. And again, this is a small point, guys. Think about how much more dishonesty and and deception is going on in the full picture in any topic when the smallest, most benign point like this is that easy to point out. However, it says, experts urge these results were preliminary. (laughs) And in the meantime, keep getting both at the same time. I'm not even making that up. That's literally what we're still seeing. It, it, it makes you sick. Now, this is just the, the Wittgenstein pointing out the same thing but on the Daily Mail. FDA says getting COVID shot at the same day as certain flu vaccines may raise your risk of stroke, while children aged 2 to 5 slightly more likely to suffer seizures. I mean, but no big deal, right? Still safe and effective because they'll make some argument about the benefits outweighing the risks with no metrics and no breakdown. They're just a blind statement that means nothing anymore other than it's going to kill you maybe, but it's still better because we want you to take it. I said the most important part to note here is that they forcefully asserted that it was safe to get both the flu and the COVID jab in the same visit. Forcefully. They called you crazy for saying otherwise. Yet I've been revealing their own documentation says they never studied it. And now what do you know? Unknown risks arise. And how much you want to bet they simply carry on claiming it's safe and effective in, to get both in the same visit. And literally immediately find out the same thing. Here's a commercial we just saw. Get this season's COVID-19 shot when you get your flu shot. Oh, two things at once. Two things at once! Two things at once! <laughs> two things at once. I'll have the... Two things at once, please. Now back to two things at once. Two things at once. That's not two things at once. Mom. Travis, ask about getting this season's COVID-19 shot when getting your flu shot. Even uh, got yours, like got milk. I mean, they are going out of their way. Getting a football player, using old taglines you're familiar with. Got milk, got you got both. Like, it's so bad. And guess what? That they've never studied if it's safe, as you know. And now we're finding out that there's actually risk for doing that. And that's not even getting into the individual lack of studying and risks for both of those things. And whether or not the new shot they're giving you is overlapped with new things that we're not being told, which I'm very concerned about. Whether it's an mRNA version, whether it's some, there's all sorts of overlaps that were, they already told you that the mRNA flu shot was going to be used once it's ready. I'm willing to bet you they won't tell you when that gets folded into the mix. I know, call me a conspiracy theorist, plenty do. But the reality is we damn well know that's possible and they've done it before. I mean, they did it in the COVID-19 discussion. They swapped them out and gave you one they didn't study. Guess what else? They did that with the swine flu. We've played that video a million times. 
neurological problems. Guess what? Did they tell you that? No, we didn't tell you. Guess what? They had it in the documentation, and one of the guys said, this is going to cause neurological problems. They hid it from everybody. It's just that constant, guys. Thank you for Jesus, or religious Jesus with a Z, for pointing this out. Now, in general, so just the fact that that's happening, we need to make we need to get this in front of average people because they don't know any better. People think they think it's they safe because I mean I was thinking about this for myself earlier. I mean before I did this work, there, I mean you, I barely even thought about a lot of this stuff. It's just that's be, just how we are trained. Our our media propaganda machine makes sure you're focused on so many other things, including your just general well being making sure you can feed yourself that night or making sure you t- your heat doesn't go out and putting yourself in such an insecure position that you could care less about whether these things are tested alongside each other. That's how that works. Now, more COVID-19 injection news, covidvaccineinjuries.com points out, Pfizer hid 79% of relevant fatality trial deaths from regulators in order to qualify for emergency use authorization. This stuff is literally proven. Are we, are, we, are we actually surprised that the government that's right now whitewashing genocide of an entire nation and watching 3,000 plus children blown up in front of our eyes is, are, that are going to, that they're we surprised they're not going to care about this? Are we going to be surprised when we realize that they knew and didn't do anything about it or that they were involved with covering it up? I mean, really, guys, I mean, it's so damn clear that these people are not on your side. And I mean, your government, wherever you are, for that matter. But it says Pfizer delayed reporting vaccine-associated deaths in clinical trials and failed to account for a large number of subjects who dropped out of the trial. Plenty of people were screaming about this the, as soon as we had trial data. That, this is why, and guess what? People that were asking for amnesty now, were going, they were the ones going, you're crazy. Just censor that person. They're killing people with misinformation. And now they're going, yeah, it turns out I was wrong, but let's just move forward. No, you killed people is what you did. That's the point. Together, these strategies kept regulators and the public ignorant of a 3.7-fold increase in cardiac death among subjects who received the Pfizer vaccine, according to analysis in the International Journal of Vaccine Theory and Practice and Research. You know, that old conspiracy rag, <laughs> like the British medical blog that they call it now, right? It's just embarrassing. These are the highest level publications, and they just look away. Who was saying trust the science again? I'd love to talk to some of these people that seem to be weirdly not even looking at the science anymore. This is from Children's Health Defense, how Pfizer hid nearly 80% of COVID vaccine trial deaths from regulators. Vigilant News points out Dr. Peter McCullough is now making sure, and this, I'm glad, I'm so glad that that there are honest people out there. Like, understand, there are people that are still walking the line that these are safe, these are the benefit for some people. Those are the ones that are straddling that middle line, trying to repeat. They're not honest people, in my opinion. There's no way you can not see. Well, I shouldn't say that. They could be missing something, or they could be willfully ignorant of something, or they could not be able to understand it. I don't know. But at the end of the day, these injections are dangerous for everybody. Full stop. Everybody. Not a single person on the planet is safe for taking these. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical expert. You can take, you come to your own conclusions, but I think we have nailed this to the floor. And here is one of the, if not the leading cardiologist in the world. Dr. Peter McCullough says, testifying before the Arizona Senate, the state Senate, Dr. Peter McCullough said as a practicing doctor that he's seen the complications of the COVID vaccine firsthand. He previously reported before COVID-19, I saw two cases of myocarditis my entire career. Now I see two cases per day. That is bone. I mean, that's chilling. Excess death through the roof everywhere. High vaccines were given. 
Now he's gone from two a year to two a day. Cancer is exploding to stage four within within a matter of months. I mean, they, they have done this to you guys. And I mean, I feel like everybody almost knows this at this point. People, even the people that are denying it are in the back of their mind going, I mean, it's like trying to pretend what's going on in Gaza is somehow justified. It's the same kind of crazy madness where the people that are saying otherwise are invested for some reason. It's just that stupid. Two significant organizations, the World Health World Council for Health and the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons have called for the removal of them from the market. Not safe for human use. Thank you, Dr. Peter McCullough, for continuing to fight for this. Opinion as a doctor, a practicing doctor who's seen patients and under direct examination, I am seeing the complications of COVID-19 vaccine firsthand. Dr. Chambers is going to give you very vivid testimony in just a minute. And by surveying all the literature and publishing, I'm very active in this field. I have over 70 peer-reviewed publications as an author or, or a contributing investigator. It's my conclusion that the vaccines, the COVID-19 vaccines, all of them are not safe for human use. I've testified under oath in the U.S. Senate December 7, 2022, that they're not safe for human use. That's my opinion. And by assent, our group agreed. My testimony in the European Parliament September 17, 2023, reiterated to Europe the vaccines are not any safer. In fact, the data are worse every minute. They are unsafe from human use. They should be removed from the market. Now, the World Council for Health, which is uh, an uh, evidence-based, consensus-driven, worldwide organization, on June 11, 2022, called for all COVID-19 vaccines to be removed from the market. On March 31st, 2023, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons called for all COVID-19 vaccines to be removed from the market. So when you hear a mantra that all the doctors agree with the vaccines, that all the agencies say the vaccines are safe and effective, you can say, no, they don't. Not all the organizations agree. Not all the doctors agree. In fact, here are two organizations, one worldwide, one American, that actually say just the opposite. They're not safe for human use. What's going on at the state level that people can do in the state? There have been active meetings and hearings in Idaho that have basically said, listen, if the federal government is not going to pull these off the market, they're going to do it themselves in various jurisdictions. The same thing is happening in Florida. That's happening. This is a consumer product safety issue. Attorney general offices in states have jurisdiction over consumer product safety issue. And if the federal agencies are not going to do anything about vaccine safety, it's well within the right of every state at some level, the attorney general's office at an oversight committee level, a special assigned committee to start taking matters into their own hands. States can do this. I can tell you as a doctor, when this happened, I didn't wait for the government to tell me what to do. Exactly. That's exactly the point, guys. He did it because he knew it was the right thing to do. And I think this is the important part about this conversation. And again, in, an, in a moment to, to demonstrate our value, this is something that we were on, as many people in this field were, early. Not because I knew that this was the right path at that point, or because it's because I trusted my instincts and, and, st and 
because I have integrity, because I did not get cowed along because I was afraid about losing followers or because I thought I would get censored or because I went along with what I knew was right. And a lot of people in this field did. It's not just unique to the last American vagabond. I mean, I could go off for 20 minutes about the different people. And you know, well, the people in our orbit and people we talk to and plenty of others that I don't. I mean, the bottom line is people like Dr. Mercola are the ones that are coming out and taking that leap of faith or rather, you know, trailblazing, going out and knowing they're going to get attacked or someone like Scott Jensen from the very beginning and many others like like Dr. Bhakti, who came out right in the beginning, knowing they would get attacked and said, this is dangerous and they're still getting attacked for it. And they're right. And that's the point about something like that. Now, let's not forget, by the way, that Netanyahu, as we'll bring this into the conversation of Israel, not right in this one, I have a couple more points, but I wanted to include this after his point there. Netanyahu is the one that was talking about using these shots to test on all Israelis because it was Pfizer's lab, right? Now, think about that if you're an Israeli today, and I have a couple other points we'll get to in a minute, to see how they view everybody, not just people in Palestine or in Gaza, just anybody that stands in their way or that I think it's ultimately like the same way I see the U.S. government views its people, that you're expendable. It's about what they want to accomplish. And they'll, have, they'll spend all their effort and time to make you believe you're important. A lot of Americans believe they care about it, but they're wrong. And we're quickly finding that out. So here's what he said about that. So you'll see because I don't want to bore you with the detailed, detailed plans, I, 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 but they are detailed in my mind. Um, we came out of COVID first. I described that in my book, my conversations with Albert Bourla, Pfizer. And I persuaded him to give tiny Israel uh, the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database, 98%, a medical database, 98% of our population has digitized medical records and little card. And anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, you punch it in, and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically. What does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, meningitis? What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What yeah, right? Does it kill them? Does it, does it incapacitate them? Does it make them disabled? Hey, we'll find out. Here you go, Israelis. Let's find out what happens. He, what, what a caring leader. A, you know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the, the lab mm-hmm. for Pfizer. And that's how we did it. We got it. Yeah, and you know, who, who, you know what that, who, who that upset? <laughs> like literally everybody in Israel. And we're going to get into a minute about how he is detested by Israelis, by, I mean, everybody. Other than your governments that pretend that he's supported by all of Israel, right? It's the power. This is how this is an interesting little microcosm of all of what we always deal with. The leaders of the world who are desperate to maintain control of your lives want you to think that everyone stands behind Netanyahu in his fight against Hamas. They don't. We don't. The leaders do. The, the, the rather, excuse me, the rulers do. Hardly leaders. Think about how interesting that is. This is what he did to you and your governments did the same. I think that is very important to understand. Now, on the note of something that you might have seen already, in the context of the fact that these are unsafe for human use, as we should understand today, and I'm not going to say, as I've never done with these past examples, that I can tell you for sure that Matthew Perry died because of the injections that he took, but I can tell you that it is a logical question that we should be asking. With all the things we know, it's I mean, look, even if it was a 1% chance, 
if we know he died of cardiac problems, which he did, then we and we know this can cause cardiac problems, why would you then go, it's not that for sure? <laughs> Doesn't that seem a little bit interesting that people would go, no way, even though you just said it's possible, right? Yeah, that means there's a blind spot there, a willful blind spot, probably because it's bigger than you think. And that's what we're proving, that, that, that the problem is much bigger, all in, in my opinion, all-encompassing. But we still don't know for sure. Just the same thing in reverse. It could be 1% not possible. That means it's still possible. It wasn't because of that. But here's what it says. Well, this is from uh, Robbie Starbuck just saying he died at 54. And it, the, 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 cover, the coverage everywhere you look will tell you that he drowned. But it was arguably, they say it was over a call for cardiac arrest. And that's why he drowned and so on in a jacuzzi. And this is how you know, which I don't think we need to really do much to know. But this was his tweet. Could I be any more vaccinated? You know, really pulling the Chandler Bing narrative there. Got your shot and then got, got your, he said, get your shot and then get your shirt. Shop the entire collection. That's his shirt. Could I be any more vaccinated with the whole like friends thing? I mean, that's, that's sad, right? They just, they, and, and by the way, just taking a look at him, the guy looks like he wasn't doing too well. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, he's vaccinated and apparently as much as he could be. And now he has a heart attack. Now he's 54, right? But it's at a point now where this is a logical question. I just think it's sad that we can't be honest about this. Now, on another overlap, Tamar, a nine-year-old girl in the city of Ashdod in southern Israel, occupied Palestine, reportedly died last night. And this was on the, uh, so the 27th she died after suffering a heart attack. A nine-year-old. Why? Because they say she was running for a shelter with a rocket attack, which, by the way, has happened a lot over the years. And I find it hard to believe that a nine-year-old has a heart attack from fear. But I guess that's possible, right? But I think the point is, I think we know what we're looking at here. The logical conclusion. Not that I'm proving that's the case. It could be something else. But I think we logically, deductive logic, know what's likely happening here. That we're now using anything, including war, to hide the overlap of the Pfizer lab side effects. I just think that's really unnerving. Nine-year-olds, pretty much, just look up the stats. It's not something that happens often. On top of that, Chief Nerd shares this. Professor Murakami explains the connection between DNA contamination and IgG4 antibodies. Another topic that we've talked about for a really long time. But the DNA contamination on the newer end of it, thank you to Kevin McKernan, but the IgG4 issue. The overlap with the allergy discussion and how obviously that's also one of these problems. We have broken this stuff down left and right for the last so many years. Too bad that we just aren't allowed to get it reached out to people because we might have been able to save more lives. But what is he saying? That it's almost certain that vaccines were contaminated with DNA. mRNA vaccines contain the DNA caused turbo cancers. The, it's everywhere, guys. That, that, these are high level professors in Japan that are now telling you that, yep, it's causing cancer. Yep, it's got DNA contamination, like a casual conversation. And you know what? They still pretend that's not true. It's like everything else we're talking about. Ben Swan shares, and this is an important one, Pascal Najati, who we've talked about before. He's the son of the World Economic Forum, Forum, the World Economic Forum co-founder, who apparently left in disgust because of Klaus Schwab a while back. He's now calling for the arrest of Bill Gates, the WHO leadership, Klaus Schwab, all of them. Geneva looks beautiful. It is beautiful. It has a lake. It has this shadow. It's very peaceful. But there is a dark side to it. Everything evil in the world 
related to demo site unfortunately comes from Geneva. You have WHO in Geneva, you have Gavi, then you have the WEF, the World Economic Forum, which my father was a co-founder and left Klaus Schwab out of disgust in the early 80s, that has diplomatic immunity. I, as a Swiss citizen, right here now. By the way, you know who else had diplomatic immunity? The four diplomats that came in from into Botswana, where they claim Omicron began, and they refused to ever tell you who they were, or where they came from. That's on the record. Botswana reported that diplomats came in with diplomatic immunity, and they were sick with Omicron, even though where they came from was what they claimed that's where it started. So where did it, where did they get it from then? Man, well here we go. Certain po- at least an overlap possibility. Declare that the VEF is not eligible anymore for diplomatic immunity. I call on the Swiss authorities and security to arrest those people immediately. Why the VEF, WHO, Gavi, Big Pharma, Big Tech, Bill Gates, all advocated a global humanity injection by a bioweapon injecting nanolipids into 5.7 billion people. And we Swiss are hosting them? That's terrible. We cannot tolerate any entity that promotes poison to be injected into humanity. But you've done it. I'm the victim, I'm dying from it. And my mother too. It's a demo side and you'll be judged. It will be corrected in the name of humanity. Maybe there is a Geneva, Swiss... Now, in the interest of time, I'm going to stop it there, but please watch the rest of it. It's, it's important. Just understand that these people are calling for action, which is what we all should be calling for. But, you know, this is the point. We have to be... It's important that we do this in the, in the, in the, the proper way, right? If the people out there that are going to string them up kind of a thing, well, that is going to be used against you. That's going to be used, and whether or not you think it's justified, that's going to be used. So it's about being tactful. Right. These people broke the law. So let's hold them accountable under the law. Obviously, that's wildly impossible with their control of the law. But the point is that the other direction is only violence begets violence. And of course, we're in a situation where these people will use that against you. Right now, they're trying to use your words against you to claim that's violence. So God forbid you actually do something they could call violence. You'll go away forever. I mean, that's how these people are acting today. Like, look at what they're doing to people just speaking the wrong words today. Right. We have to be careful with that and make sure that we actually find a way to put these people behind bars, not because we just don't like them, but because they literally broke the law because they committed crimes against humanity. Now, here's the point that I was making in regard to Botswana, just in case you forgot. I've showed this many times. This is the Botswana government. And it weirdly used to have the gray check if they took it away. But this is the official account for Botswana. And they simply said, and this is the interesting part about it, on November 26th, The new virus, and they are talking about the Omicron original strain, if that's what you think that really was, or if it even existed, which I think we should question. The new virus was detected on four foreign nationals who had entered Botswana on the 7th, which is, again, my point I make where they weirdly, even though they know this too, the whole narrative, even on Wikipedia, which they've edited to change, which I proved in a past show, claim it started in South Africa after the 7th. Why are they white? Why are they covering up the original part of this? I think that's very important to understand. I think there's some, I have said this from the moment this started, something happened here and the way they've covered it is wildly telling 
They've cut, they've altered the Wikipedia page. Like the original court, the narratives where it started here, but then they all walked it back and changed it to South Africa. It's really telling. Now, the diplom- on, it's on a diplomatic mission, which means they have diplomatic immunity, which means we don't get to under, they don't get their bags checked. They don't go through customs. Nobody was sick before this. And then, again, they bumped that up to South Africa, which was technically the next place that it went. So where did it come from? Well, here's the interesting, and don't forget, as we just pointed out, he's telling you the World Economic Forum has diplomatic immunity. Well, let's also not forget that a month, couple months before that, the U.S. government funds a COVID-19 isolation clinic all across Botswana. Literally, right before this. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, technically, we're talking only a few months. I just think that's pretty interesting. Now, on to another topic I just want to make sure we're not forgetting about. Guess what Norfolk Southern just tweeted out? This is, this is yesterday, two days ago. Over the weekend, the final truckload of impacted soil, you know, the soil that's completely contaminated with dioxins and PFAS and benzene, all sorts of other problems, vinyl chloride, will be removed and transported off-site from East Palestine, completing the most intensive phase. Just, just one of the phases, not even done. I mean, guys, this is people of this conversation, we lost this one. Let's be honest about that. We did not follow up on this as much as many of us tried. The bottom line is that this is a crime they got away with. We've proven that they, that they did not need to uh, do the uncontrolled burn. We've proven in a court of law, they proved that they did not need to do that. That At the end of the day, that they lied to the, the fire chief or withheld information, which is why he then decided to do that. And he on the record said he was railroaded, no pun intended. And then we know that they're shipping this around without knowing where they going to places we can prove, as I did many times. Clean harbors, waste disposal, Ohio scandal, where I called them and they on the record said that they did not have the ability to deal with dioxins or PFAS, but they're shipping them there and they have yet to even fully address that issue. I mean, this is a criminal act. We know that they buried it right away and then put the got the train right out of there. The point is, it's not even done, and they're and now they're they're Buying people's homes for pennies in the dollar, even though they swore up and down, they would take care of everybody. I mean, it's just so disgusting. They got away with it. Alan Shaw got away with it, and he knows it. We can do better. It just makes me sad. I'm going to follow up with Shelby probably soon about the Lahaina conversation, but that seems like it's going the same direction. Now, on to some foreign policy to get this into the main conversation. I wanted to point this out, too. More of this is starting to spin up because... As always, it seems like it's almost, I mean, it is illogical that they're just going, Iran is doing all of this, apparently. So bomb Iran. You have literally have people in our government calling for strikes on another country. Why? Because they claim they're involved somehow. They support what's going on. They support the PMU. They support Hamas and they support Hezbollah. And I, I would even be surprised if they've got forces to some degree, like the U.S. has literally everywhere. The point is, these are allies of theirs. But to argue this is just Iran doing this or just Russia then behind Iran doing making it all happen is just a way to blame them all, which I'll get to at the end. Apparently, it's the new axis of evil, guys, because you know why? It's always good versus evil because you got to dehumanize your enemies, right? As Lindsey Graham told you, it's a religious war. We're on Israel's side. Is that what we think? Is that what Americans want? I mean, they're dragging us into a, another, another crusade here. Is what, this is how wild this is. My point, though, is that because the Iran conversation is included and they're bombing the popular mobilization units in Syria and Iraq, even though that's part of the militaries of the governments they're occupying, it's staggering, even though they get weapons from what they give these countries. So essentially, it, the U.S. government arms them to a degree and then they bomb them. 
it's, it's not they're not doing this. Right? It's just so blatantly dishonest. The point is they're spreading more lies about Iran. Now, the past we already had an example of this that Robert broke down where they claimed that woman, I forget her name off the top of my head, was beat up and tortured and killed in prison. It's not what happened. It was proven, proven that she was not even they had no bruises. She wasn't beaten up. It was a, there was a complete fabrication of the story. And then we, I went into the depth about the hijab and the, and the misrepresentations of that conversation and how people in Iran view it. It's not as simple as your American perspective. I mean, think about how gross it is to pretend like they care about this issue while they absolutely are what they allow to happen in Ukraine or what they're allowing to happen in Gaza or what they're allowing Saudi Arabia to do whenever it wants. They don't care about this stuff. They care about trying to make Iran look bad. That's what it's about. Uh, Iran has its problems like anybody. I don't trust their government more than I don't trust their government like I don't trust any government. But the point is, Spectator Index reports, because apparently U.S. government said that's enough for them. Iranian teenager Armida Gravand has died of her injuries after being beaten by the morality police for Tehran for not wearing a headscarf. It's not true. And, and I agree. And this is just I, this is what we the, actually I think I'll have Robert follow, go deep on this. But he, this is from Saeed Mohammed Morandi saying this is a shameless lie. No one touched her. No one even near her. The, vid- the video footage is very clear. A young girl simply collapsed and her head hit the passenger train door in a metro station. This is what they're using, guys. It's on video. It's a disgusting attempt to distract attention away from the genocide in Gaza. Exactly. And they're desperate to do that because they're failing. They have already lost the information war. Now, Thomas Massey points out that Biden's proposals proposed foreign aid package, which we already talked about, would send billions of dollars to Ukraine and Israel. Is that what you want? Is that literally what any American wants anywhere? Maybe a few of them, maybe the Zionists around here, but I probably not even the people that support Israel want more money to go away from this country right now. Congress would have to borrow or tax another $100 billion from your pockets, guys. It all comes from you to send the money overseas. Do you believe we should send this money to Israel and Ukraine and Israel to neither country, only Israel or only Ukraine? It's a multiple choice. Guess what? Now, this, I guarantee, has changed since this. This was, at the time, only 833 votes. It's now up to 47,000. But here's where it was when we last checked. 76% said neither country. That's the reality, guys. People don't want this anymore. And your governments are always trying to manufacture lies to push you into war. Now, I want to start with this again, even though we went over it and just did our last show focusing on a good, a good portion of this. But I want to go over this topic again briefly. Just to reiterate the finer points, because there's, there's something happening today that I think is important that we point out. Now, this was from the Gray Zone, October 27th. The title was October 7th, Testimonies Reveal Israel's Military Shelling Israeli Citizens with Tanks and Missiles. Now, there's, there's a little bit of misinformation flying around today about apparently a Haaretz art debunking article that doesn't exist. I want to show you what I mean by that and show you where this lie or I guess, lazy work is coming from. Frankly, from somebody that I've pointed out has been doing some good work in the topic, but I'm starting to feel a little bit more grift grift feeling from this account. I'll show you what I mean in a second. And of course, it's a partisan account as usual, but the point is that this and this Cradle article, actually predominantly this Cradle article is where this claim is actually stemming from. Now, Robert wrote this with Charmaine Nawani. Now, everything he's saying in here we can prove is backed up by facts and documentation we can prove. Now, what they, somebody did is it sort of gleaned one of the points from this, I guess, assuming that, I mean, it just shows you the kind of things people will do to get 
narratives that will get them reach and making a hell of a lot of money from Twitter, right? That's important to think about. Now, first, let's go back to this, though. As people are already mentioning in the chat, the Hannibal direct Doctrine or Directive, which it's important. Now, this is not something we can dismiss. This is not us or anybody trying to go, it was all Israel that did it, which is possible. There's Israelis that think that's possible, that's what happened. All I'm saying, as usual, what we can prove is that we have on the record testimony from Israelis, from people who were at the concert, many different examples saying they shot hostages. The IDF killed people that I was standing next to. They almost shot me because they thought I was a pa- over and over. So it's not deniable, guys. This is reality. They did. They did. Like I'm talking about before. Like this is what I keep trying to point out before with my Denmas rating value. I'm not going to mince words here. When very few people are stepping out and saying Israel, Israel forces killed their own people on the 7th. That's what happened. Now, do I know the how much? Do I know to what degree? No. We're still flushing this out. But like I said before, those shots are bad for everybody across the board. I said that in 2021. Everybody. Full stop. Because I believed it. And we're right. Because I did the research. Now, in this case, shout out to Max and Gray Zone. This is a great article. It's very important. The citations in here, you can look at for yourself. Now, let's do... There's a, I, I have it highlighted from before, but I'm only going to go over parts that really stand out. Truly, the opening section kind of sums it up, but you want to go further because there's links and there's source material that prove what we're talking about. Now, first point, the division was compelled to request an aerial strike against the Arrows Crossing location here. What he's reporting is this is a statement from a commander of the Gaza division. They were ordered, they were compelled to request an airstrike on this crossing the base itself, in order to repulse the terrorists. That's, that's a direct quote from Brigadier General Avi Rosenfeld. Okay? The video released by Israel's Kogat 10 days later, which is the location we're talking about, after the battle, and that Israeli strike that he had admitted to calling in shows severe structural damage to the roof of this crossing. Right? Of damage that, were, that Hamas wasn't capable of causing. Airstrikes caused it, as he admits. But then... On the 17th, they, the Ministry of Defense tells them that this was done by Hamas terrorists. That's the game we're talking about here. Provably, they got caught lying. Their own person says this, they lie about it. This is what we're trying to demonstrate. Now, that's just you know, such a small example. This one, the Apache pilots testify on the record, according to different, this is Israeli media, radio stations. It's all, this came out all over the place in the beginning. They testified that they fired a huge amount of munitions, emptied the, quote, belly of the helicopter in minutes. They flew to rearm, returned, did it again and again and again. That's their testimony. The Apache helicopters appear to have focused on vehicles streaming back into Gaza from the music festival. Now, the obvious point there, how many of those cars had hostages in them? Well, on the record, they said they didn't know, and I'll read it to you next. So when we now have cars, as this image down here, that mysteriously look like they were bombed or clearly were bombed with a Hellfire missile, and they point at this and say, here's what they did to our citizens that are hot at the concert, well, that means we should then question any of the other ones that they claim were killed by Hamas. Now, I'm not disputing that Hamas took Hamas themselves say that they took action. And in many cases that civilians clearly, like Robert made a good point today when we were talking about this, that Hamas has a directive on the record where they're saying that, look, we do not kill civilians, which you could dispute or say they're lying. But then they go on to add that should 
somebody get in the way of our operation, well, they have to be taken out. Well, there you go. That means Hamas is admitting that they would kill a civilian if they got in the way, which would be a war crime. So we should not pretend like that's not possible. But I would still argue that it seems, for like I said before, people that know more on this topic than I, that I respect, argue that for as an entity today, the version of it today, that they are don't do that, that they don't want to kill people. And we see the evidence of the civilians they've let go that say they were treated well. Sure, it could all be lies, but we can only operate on what we can see. I'm not going to continue to take at face value things from governments that are involved and have been proven to lie so far. We have to just continue to take it as we see it. And the point here is that we know for sure that there were hostages in these cars and they were bombing them. So think about how crazy that is. Just like right now, as I made a hundred times, they pretend, give us our hostages back. And then they indiscriminately bomb. I mean, a child could see that it doesn't make sense. Either you don't care about them or you're trying to kill them. So I just don't even know how else you frame that. So again, they targeted the cars going back into Gaza from the festival and everywhere else with apparent knowledge that Israeli captives could be inside. They also fired on unarmed people exiting cars or walking on foot through the fields, which remember, they got boxed in by three sides, weirdly driving them in one direction, which is where they got fired on from IDF in the crossfire as they testify to. Think about that. And let's again ask why or how it's even possible that there's a IDF police blockade in the one location they were running to at a time when it seems their 15 locations were completely left open. That speaks to something else going on, quite frankly. We've gone over that already. Now, this says, I, this is from the helicopter. This is an interview with Israel's Mako News Outlet. Link is right there. Listen for yourself. Quote, I chose targets like that, the pilot reflected, where I tell myself that the chance that I am shooting here on hostages is low, but was not 100%. That is his quote. So you can't pretend like it's impossible. They were firing knowing they could be killing hostages. Now, how do you even make sense of that? At best, that means that they would rather kill Hamas and take you out so they could kill Hamas. They would kill you to get rid of that person. If you're Israeli listening right now, think about that. Quote, the pilots realized that there was tremendous difficulty in distinguishing within the occupied outposts and settlements who was a terrorist and who was a soldier or a civilian. They just, they, and yet the point was the rate of fire against those people was tremendous and only continued. They just, that they said earlier, they unloaded their fire. They went, got, got more and they fired again while not knowing and not being able to tell who was who. These are direct statements. That is the report from the Apache squadron themselves telling an Israeli outlet. How are we denying any of this? It says, and so without any intelligence or ability to distinguish between Palestinians and Israelis, the pilots let loose a fury of cannon and missile fire onto Israeli areas below. Not because that's what Gray Zone says, not because that's what I think, that's what they testified to. That's what, or rather, I mean, a testimony, but they, with media. They said this to their, uh, Israeli personnel said this to the media. More than one. Now, in regard to the, the kibbutz uh, area, the residential areas, Tolvu Askapa, who was the, uh, where, which what was up here, hold on. Oops, that's not, I spelled it wrong. still spelling it wrong? Yes, I am. Hold on. I just want to make sure I got who told you who it was correctly. It's, I believe it was an Israeli, uh, let's see. Oh, it's Tuval. A member of the security team of the kibbutz area, the specifically Be'ere. So this is, this is a, a, a secure, a member of the occupation forces of Israel. 
Here's what he says. As Tuva, Tuval Escapa, the security court, oh, there it is, right after, of course, <laughs> says it right there. The security coordinator at the uh, Kibbutz Ba'ere told Haaretz, Israeli army commanders had ordered the shelling of houses on their occupants in order to eliminate the terrorists, quote, along with the hostages. That is on the record speaking to Haaretz. The link is right there. Yasmin Porat, an attendee at the music festival who fled, told Israeli radio, which you can listen to, that when Israeli special forces arrived during the hostage standoff, quote, they eliminated everyone. We've, we actually read these to you already. Before even the Grey Zone article, this was one of the early ones we talked about, where she said on the record, they eliminated everyone, quote, including the hostages, because there was very, very heavy crossfire. Now, as somebody sent to me, which I didn't include today, there's now... I think it's NBC who's reporting that there's basically framing what's happening in Gaza as people being killed in the crossfire. That's how they're, I don't think that's by accident. When there's not really crossfire going on, you got some rockets being shot down that doesn't, that barely cause much damage and then carpet bombing, killing tens of thousands of people, if not more. Now it says she stated that Israeli forces, security forces, quote, undoubtedly killed him and other hostages as they opened fire on the remaining militants inside, including with tank shells. That's Yasmin Porat again. One of the hostages who survived in the uh, kibbutz Barry. She's telling them, quote, undoubtedly killed her people, people in this neighborhood. I just think that's amazing that we are even disputing this, including with tank shells. Israeli security forces also opened fire on fleeing Israelis whom they mistook for Hamas gunmen. Again, not, hyper, not, not hypothetical, not a guess. The resident of Ashkelon named Danielle Rochelle, you even have her name, described nearly being killed after escaping from the music festival. Well, there you go. When it was attacked by militants from Gaza, it says, as we reached the roundabout, we saw Israeli security forces. So right there even puts that even puts it pretty interestingly placed. So now you have the security blockade, which was what was there when it, weirdly they were nowhere else that was apparently right before the turnabout into this main location where all this happened. That's pretty suspicious. We held our heads down. We automatically knew they'd be suspicious of us in our small beat up car from the same direction the terrorists were coming from. Our forces began shooting at us. Now, yes, they, they luckily didn't get killed because they shouted out of their way. They, they said, uh, we're Israelis, and they stopped shooting. But how many others weren't so lucky? Had they shot them, would they tell us that happened, or would they blame Hamas? I think we know the answer to this, guys. Adi Ohana said was shot dead by Israeli police near his home after being mistaken for a Palestinian guerrilla. Quote, an innocent man was killed in the most negligent way possible. That's his niece speaking on the record. Israeli media is now filling up with reports of the military gunning down fellow Israelis even as they were defending their homes from the other gunmen. The Israeli government has portrayed these casualties as Israeli victims of sadistic Hamas violence. However, the melted steel body and collapsed roof of the car and the comprehensively scorched corpses inside are clearly evidence of a Hellfire missile. Or the main point being something that Hamas was not capable of causing while they were there. But they don't care. They just blame it on him anyway. While I scan the code, on this, this was about this image he held up, remember? Very strangely held up this QR code. with all. He said when, he, when Max scanned it, he found eight grisly images of burned bodies and blackened body parts. One showed a pile of charred male bodies in a dumpster, which we showed you, which we've already proven was Hamas people that were burned, as Robert proved early on. 
they or it was Chuck Costello that claimed earlier that it was a bunch of burned babies because he was topping into that lie right in the beginning. And then they deleted it. And so did he. So he shows this, has it all in there, then suddenly they disappear. And all you get left with is this one video. It just, it's obvious we're being manipulated, guys. It's all of these lies. Now, last is inside Gaza, where some 200 Israeli citizens are being held. There is little doubt about who is killing captives. On October 26th, the Hamas armed wing known as al Qasim Brigades announced that Israel had killed almost 50 captives. <coughs> now, the bottom line is, whether you believe that or not, it's not hard to wrap your mind around when they're bombing and they don't know where they are. At best, they don't really care that much. There's no misunderstanding that. And then they go, it's Hamas's fault. Well, no, you could still, there's fault involved there because they took them. But you are the one creating the risk to their lives by bombing constantly. Well, aside from you worrying that they might do something, which is possible. The point is, by indiscriminate bombing, you're just making it the case. Apparently trying to kill them so you can blame Hamas, which seems to be happening. And we'll get to the point about how it's now being shown, but even by the Washington Post, that Israel has continued to deny not wanting the hostages back. If Israel's military had intentionally targeted areas where it knew the captives were held, its action would have been consistent with Israel's Hannibal Directive. Now, this goes into a whole point about this in regard to a previous example where they got embarrassed, where they were forced to exchange. uh, It was basically one officer for a bunch of Palestinians. And the point was, later on, because they were embarrassed, they started what's called the Hannibal Directive. And then later after that, there was an example where they, somebody got taken, and instead of trying to get him back, they killed their own person and a bunch of, apparently it was over 100 Palestinian civilians in the process. Right? They, the captured Israeli officer was killed. So they made a directive that's now public, it was secret at the time, to never do that again. We'll murder our own people to stop them from embarrassing us. Well, maybe that's literally what's happening now. Not hard to wrap your mind around. Now, the cradle was important as well. It says, in the interim, two weeks of the blanket Western media reporting that Hamas allegedly killed around 1,400 Israeli civilians during its October 7th military attack has served to inflame emotions and create the climate for Israel's unconstrained destruction of the Gaza Strip and its civilian population. Accounts of the Israeli death toll have been filtered and shaped to suggest that a wholesale civilian massacre occurred that day with babies, children, women, and main targets of the terror attack. Now, detailed statistics of the casualties released by the, da- the Israeli daily Haaretz paint a different picture. Now, this is not some scathing investigation of October 6th, 7th by Haaretz, as it looks like Jackson Hinkle is framing and then everyone else has been saying the same thing. That's, this is, and they're all seemingly taking it from this article, which, by the way, is interestingly to notice that we do clearly influence larger creators and they don't ever point back. It's, always remember that. Now, the interesting point about this is that this is a, what they're reporting on is factual. And, I'll, and I actually have the, I'll have the, the actual thing right here. Where it, and, and by the way, when they wrote this, the number was accurate to what they were saying, which is, I'll get to it in a second, 600-something, which later has been updated. Now, their point, their point here, and now it's up to 901, their point in this article is, and what they say up here is over 1,300 Israeli civilians and soldiers were killed, which is now being clearly that most of them were IDF, settlers, police. That's the reality, as, as we early on thought. The point was what they're saying is that's what they think were killed, but they're they're able to prove kind of like the high end of the conversation, 901. I don't know what's stopping. I, I don't know what's holding it up, but the point is they're saying 901 can be proven. Okay, at the time, it's the 600 and something. So what the cradle was arguing is what they've proven so far, and it was at 683 at the time. Of that 683, 
half of them were soldiers. That was the claim. Not something, and, and, and so I'll go forward. It says the detailed statistics released by Haaretz show that 683 had been killed, including their names, locations, and that 331 of them, or almost 50%, had been confirmed as soldiers or police officers. And I argue that uh, settlers, and even as we're now hearing, armed civilians would change that dynamic too. Another 13 are described as rescue service members and 339 civilians. Now it says there are also so far no record of deaths of children under the age of three, which throws into question that Israeli narrative that babies were targeted and Palestinian resistance fighters were killing them. Right? The numbers that we've got from Haaretz were only seven between the four and nine, which none of those are babies. There's nothing in the, in the, in the infant baby conversation. That's their information. So it's pretty clear that that was a lie. And we all know that already. They walked this back. CNN apologized twice, which I've never seen that in my lifetime. Clearly, that was not accurate. And they've been lying about a lot of stuff. We'll also get into the point, I think, in this whole conversation about when they claim that children have been kidnapped. Well, again, what we'll get into is this picture here. You can scroll through what they're showing you. These are, again, 901, maybe all of it, maybe 1300 is not accurate, or maybe they're still going to add more to the number. But you scroll through, you scroll through, You'll be hard-pressed to find a single child. I see a lot of adolescents, teenagers, adults, not a child. Okay, so so if they're telling us that they've got 30, 40 children, which is different, weirdly similar number, but different from the beheaded conversation, then I'm not not saying I know it's not true, but I don't have evidence for it. And we have Hamas saying it's not true. So it's interesting. You can decide for yourself. But before we go to that, other points I want to include... It says there is little to no credible evidence that Palestinian fighters had a plan to or deliberately sought to kill or harm unarmed civilians on October 7th. Now, that's the point that if they had guns, I'm not going to say that I condone killing of civilians in any circumstance. But the point is they have a gun and this is a military situation. So you can see how that would go out. Now, it says key objective of their operation was to take Israeli prisoners that they could exchange for the 5,300 Palestinian prisoners, many of which are children and women held without charge for years. And exchange them. And again, the Hannibal Directive. That's the point. They don't want to do that anymore. And I think we're watching how that plays out. Since the start of its military assault. And again, just to make that clear. They're indiscriminately bombing where they know hostages are being held. How is that not the Hannibal Directive? It sounds like the exact same thing. Since the start of its military assault on Gaza, on top of the 5,000 from before, Israel has actually rounded up and imprisoned more than 1,200 Palestinians in in the West Bank. So just so we're clear, if you're condemning them for doing it, they're doing the same thing. How is it different? Well, because they one guy terrorist, one guy good guy. Well, that's not how that works, right? We have to realize this is not as simple as that. It's not good and evil. This is a clear illegal occupation, so they have a legal right to act, So, period. Not to kill civilians, but to act in armed resistance per the Geneva Conventions. Now, this is where I think it's important. Additionally, she writes, and Robert writes, videos of the scene show homes that appear to have been struck by munitions that Hamas fighters did not possess. Muir, who's reporting on this, this is from the, uh, where was it? The ABC News, uh, yeah, from ABC News, reports that 14 people were held hostage in a building by Palestinian fighters. The Hebrew language Haaretz article published on the 20th of October, which only appears in English in a a must-read Mondo Weiss article, but you can't find it. I, I actually already talked about this paints a very different story of what went down in Kibbutz Ba'ere. A Kibbutz resident who had been away from his home, whose partner was killed in the melee, reveals stunning new details. Quote, again, this is on the record with mainstream corporate in Israeli media. 
His voice trembles when his partner, who was besieged in her home, sh- sheltered at the time, comes to mind. According to him, only on Monday night, October 9th, and only after the commanders in the field made difficult decisions, including shelling houses with all the occupants inside in order to eliminate the terrorists along with the hostages. That's the quote from, from Grayzone. Did the IDF completely complete the takeover of the kibbutz? The price was terrible. At least 112 BRA people were killed. Well, right. That doesn't, that seems clear that it was at least that many of them, if not most of them could be because of the shelling while they were holding them. Maybe not with designs to kill them. There's your Hannibal directive again. Others were kidnapped. Yesterday, he says, 11 days after the massacre, the bodies of a mother and her son were discovered in one of the houses destroyed. That's rubble, guys. So that is their fault. And it's believed that more bodies are still lying in the rubble. Well, it's all Hamas's fault, right? That's what they're claiming in every other circumstance because they did it. So therefore, whoever we kill is their fault. Well, that's not real. That's not how that works. Okay. So that's where all the main part again is this, this part here. We're about the Haaretz article and that most, and that half of these people were IDF somehow got contorted into this. Now, again, there was part, there's a lot of was coming out from the account that I thought was good in the beginning. And I do still, there's still plenty of good stuff I think is important. But I just, I just think, I feel, I feel, it feels very grifty to me right now. A lot of reposting of the same graphic images, which I don't understand. I don't like posting graphic images at all, quite frankly, but yet they get a lot of shares. So I'm starting to wonder if that's the point of resharing gruesome images on one day and then three days later. That doesn't make much sense to me unless it's using that. But otherwise, this is important to see. He writes, Haaretz investigation exposes all the Israeli, li- Israeli lies from October 7th. Well, first of all, Haaretz right, says that's not true, which I wouldn't blindly take Haaretz's claim at anything or any mainstream outlet. <clears throat> but the more I investigate, it turns out there isn't an Israel- uh, Haaretz investigation. What they're pointing at is this, and that's not what this is. So what that tells me is they read this article, read what Charmaine and Robert wrote, and I guess assumed that was the, a thing that was out there and then just contorted this into this is what that hypothetical non-existent investigation proves. Confirmed the number is 900, which again, that's where this is coming from, 901. But that's not what that's actually confirming. What it's saying is we have 901 down here when there's 1,300 that we're looking for and confirming. I'm not saying I believe all of this. What I'm saying is that's where that na- the number comes from which doesn't mean it's not 2000. It means they've only gotten the 900. So I just, I, we need to be careful with things like this. He could have just made a mistake. It's possible, but it's, it's a big assumption. 50% were Israeli soldiers, which that's not even the case. A lot of them were, were police and some of, and that, and 50% is not even accurate seeing as how the number will change. We don't know it is the point. We don't know that. And that hasn't been confirmed. The point is, at the point I'm making, as what she was making, is as of the 683, there's, those numbers are 48.4. That is what they're saying. But we don't know the full picture yet. So we shouldn't be claiming these things. It goes on to say, most deaths have signs of being dead uh, during tank shelling. Well, again, we have some of those examples, but I don't think we have any evidence of bodies other than the bombing and the hellfire that we can prove is tank shelling. We have We have the rubble conversation but that's not signs of tank shelling other than the rubble you see my point i feel like this is trying to glean from what they wrote and it's not even accurate no evidence hamas burnt any israelis but burns occurred from live israeli shelling well again i agree there's no evidence evidence of hamas burning but that's the secondary part of that it's kind of the same point anyway it says no beheaded babies that is true 
defiling of Hamas fighter bodies while Israeli soldiers were taken with respect to morgues. Again, a lot of these things are pretty broad, and I don't think we can state these things as absolute facts across the whole conflict. Number of people Hamas shot less than 100 were mere settlers with guns on them. Again, I don't know where that's coming from. I agree that's likely the case, as I've been saying, but I wouldn't say I know that right now. And, and the point is, this hypothetical investigation is not real. Then it says, Israel has lied about everything while committing a grotesque genocide, which I agree, they're just pr pretty much misrepresenting the whole situation. <clears throat> now, you can read about this if you want to care what Haaretz is saying, and they're going, none of that's true. Now, what's interesting, they don't say, well, they don't say none of it's true. They basically argue that this is not, there's no investigation, which is interesting because some of this seems to be mildly accurate based on what they're saying here. But this is where this goes. This is my point. So this person, people are pointing at Jackson Hinkle and then everyone's going, where's the link? Where's the link? And then they go and they show the cradle article. Oh, that, so that's apparently the verification point. But there is no link in that. And I spoke to Robert today and that's not the case, right? So the overall point, as, as I said, as I was trying to make clear, is that they're claiming that this was an, an, an unfinished development of information at the moment. And this was on the 24th. It was 684, and that and now it's gone up to 900 from here. And now that's somehow been kind of molded into some new conversation. This is just very irresponsible, guys, and we have to be very careful about this because now this is being spread all over the Internet as this has been proven. I think that's interesting, so we just got to be careful. Now here, if you want to look at this, which I recommend you do, is the kind of running tally they're pointing at. You know, because, I mean, we, finding out whether these people are different you know like for instance here's a 19 year old right but i do not see children in here i think that's important but that doesn't mean there's not here is something i think is important to ask whether or not you think that israelis for, for in this case would be willing like the hannibal directive to take action against their own people well here is proof of that the cabinet and this said as of two days ago has, has said they, they're slated to okay police use of live fire so bullets against protesters. You know why? Because if you're out there protesting against what's going on, you're, you're just like them. I mean, look, Ben Shapiro was pointing at Jewish people protesting against this, calling for ceasefire. He called them trash. I mean, think about how gross that is. This person is out there screaming about anti-Semitism and how anybody saying anything negative about Jews, and he goes, look at these trash, useful idiots for Hamas, he called them. Denigrating Jews apparently is okay from Ben Shapiro. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, the point's not about Jews specifically, anybody. You're out there denigrating, you're making fun of people, you're calling them trash because they see it differently than you. And quite frankly, I think we all can see that Ben has lost it on this. But the bottom line is, here they are going, well, we will murder Israelis, Israeli Jews, Israeli, Israelis in general, if they're blocking the road because they're protesting. So if you think for one second that they wouldn't, take action against you if, if you're clearly in the way of what they want, well, there you go. It could not be more clear than that. Now, Max points out that an explicit expression of genocidal intent by Netanyahu painting the Palestinians of Gaza as the biblical, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Amalekites, whose total eradication was commanded by God as punishment for their sins. This is how crazy this is getting. As even Lindsey Graham keeps telling you, this is a religious war. I mean, they're letting you know. So Netanyahu literally declaring the invasion, which is not. They, they keep making these new statements like something's 
Like that's it, it, like the third time they've made a no. Now we're going to re-escalate our ground operations. Now we're declaring our invasion. I quite frankly think it's bluster because they have, they're doing small little incursions, but they are not creating out the ground invasion because I think we all know that they can't. And I think they know that they can't unless they have somebody else helping. But the point is, he says, you must remember what Amalek has done to you, says our Holy Bible. Right. So he's now comparing not Hamas, all of the Palestinian people to this conversation. And the conversation is about eradicating an entire people. They're not trying to hide this, guys. The point is, Biden will lie to you about what they actually want to do. Now, here is an overlap to what Israelis are saying. Interesting how it seems that pretty much everybody of the people see what's going on. Your governments are the one trying to manipulate you. Weird. Always how it's been. Well, she says, look at this video. I really fear for my life when this man's hands are on the wheel. He just doesn't seem fit. She's talking about Netanyahu. And here's what he said. Here's what this says. And this is what they're asking in the clip. A question. What did you do with the warning you received from the Shin Bet, like the FBI in Israel, and Amman about increasing likelihood of war? Right. So in many examples of this, foreknowledge, information, and he simply says, I ordered IDF to destroy Hamas. Like, it's the same kind of BS sidesteps we get. So the point is, you have information. What did you do with it? Yeah, we're, do we're doing what we're supposed to. We're killing Hamas. That's it. These people see right through him. What's interesting is the West seems to have more support for him than most of Israel right now. And just a couple of points you've already seen before we show you the current article I want to get at. Don't forget, on this was, uh, oh, it still says today because it's on the way back. It's on the archive. October 8th, for years, it says. One day after this started, Times of Israel, Netanyahu propped up Hamas. Now it's blowing up in our faces. Very clearly. And they see it. And let's not forget, as even the Wall Street Journal, rather retired Israeli officer Avner Cohen states on the record, Hamas, to my great regret, is Israel's creation. Not hard to understand. And we also pointed this one out. This is from the October 7th. And I want to read these two really quickly or parts from them. October, this is from October 17th. So 10 days after this starts, from the 7th forward. Not tomorrow, not next week. Netanyahu must go. <laughs> Think about that. It says, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is unfit. He cannot remain in this position for even one more day. If he nevertheless does lead it, the war that's going on, it will not be a war against, the, against Hamas, but rather a war for his own personal salvation. This is what they're saying. This is what a lot of Israelis, I think, most believe. All the moves in the war and all the diplomatic contacts will be aimed at only one single goal. His survival in power. And this will not enable a victory in the war. Therefore, Netanyahu must go. They're literally point. They're claiming he's murdering thousands of innocent people just to get away from his criminal law. That seems likely, guys. And guess what? That means they think he also allowed people to die in Israel. It says he not only dismantled Israeli society and weakened the army during the past nine months, he has not only strengthened Hamas and enabled the transfer of funds that serve to strengthen it. Don't miss that. They'll call you a conspiracy theorist in the United States. Literally, the mainstream in Israel, he not only strengthened Hamas, he enabled the transfer of funds. Well, don't we already know that funds are coming in from Ukraine? Yeah, we do. It's not hard to see how this all connects. Your media lies to you guys. 
It says he is not only in the person primary responsible for the terrible massacre, right? They're saying primary person responsible over Hamas and the abduction of 200. He also now constitutes a clear existential threat to the state of Israel and its citizens. That is scathing. If I stood up and said that, they would call me an anti-Semite. That's how ridiculous this conversation is. That's what they think. Here's another one. This one's from the 22nd. Netanyahu is an existential threat to Israel's survival. Now, we already read this one to you, so the general point is the same thing. Since the corruption charges were filed against him, Netanyahu himself became an existential threat to Israel, pushing towards an equally dangerous red line. If at first Netanyahu efforts would weaken the state institutions in order to sabotage the criminal proceedings, by January 2023, he moved to dismantle them altogether. Because he cares about democracy, right, Biden? It's just so embarrassing. Now, I find this to be very important. We're now being told by Sputnik, which, you know, this could also be misinformation. A total of 5,000 U.S. soldiers partook in Israel's overnight raid in northern Gaza. So that's what we're talking about. Little, you know, kind of incursions, but not like an entire ground invasion. And as I understand it, they're getting beat up, too. As Pasta was talking about, they push in, one guy gets killed, and they run away. That's That's not my framing. That's what was being stated. Now, they're reporting a total of 5,000 servicemen took part in Israel's overnight ground operation. U.S. armed forces, according to the news agency, Israeli army is now trying to divide the Gaza Strip into two or more three zones, which is illegal from top to bottom. You're legally occupied Palestine in general. You don't have a right to displace them. Not once, not twice, not three times, never, none. They're trying to move them. And we'll get to the part about the leaked document that proves that the whole goal is to move them into the Sinai Desert, which is exactly what we've early on theorized. Interesting how my perceptions tend to come out to be reality. Sorry, I pulled my shoulder, pat myself on the back. The point is I made this clear early on that I thought that's ultimately was one of the objectives. Just find the justification to move them, which is not that hard to see. I think a lot of people saw that. But on, on, let's not forget, on top of this, it's not hard to see that this is already happening. Even Axios reported on the 23rd, there was already a three-star general, a U.S. general, advising their operations as they're back here going, please tone down your war crimes as we're literally directing their war crimes. That's how stupid this is, or at the very least, complicit, standing right next to them. Well, Sprinter reports the CNN has now quoted American sources saying the rapid reaction force attached to the U.S. Marine Corps has now been dispatched to Eastern Mediterranean. So more and more and more seems to be building. Dan Cohen, though, points out, as we already told you before, reports say that Israeli military incursions on Gaza's eastern side are met with stiff resistance from the Al-Qasim brigades and are unable to advance. That's what I'm hearing from pretty much everybody being honest about this. What I mean by that is the people that maybe not be on one side or the other, but the, mo- the general reporting is that this is not going anywhere. You tend to get the, you know, Hamas will say, we're killing everybody. And Israel says, nobody's been killed. And that's how you get the two sides. People that I trust in this analysis wise are claiming that this is, you know, sort of like how the analysis we're getting from Ukraine, right? If you listen to corporate media, they won fifth, they won on day five. (laughs) You know, it's like, that's how dumb it gets. But the point is now we can see that it's where the honest analysis was pointing it at, that they were losing, right? That's what's happening. It says the region's strongest military, supported by a superpower, is being matched by concentration camp inmates with rudimentary weapons. Let that sink in for a second. Now, the the Spectator Index reports that U.S. spokesperson says Israel owes no one any justification and that they will have no red lines. We already told you that. 
and this is the reality. I'm not just blindly taking spectator index because we shouldn't at face value. The point is that they said this on the record. No red lines. That means they can do whatever they want, guys. Realize how clear that is. So that's why we should laugh when we get this statement after they, on the 27th, make something like that happen. As Max Blumenthal points out, the Pentagon has repeatedly insisted that Israel's following the laws of war in Gaza, where it has killed 7,000 plus in two weeks. When reporter Tom uh, Squirete asked Pentagon's press secretary to outline which of those laws he's following, he was told they were free to Israel. That's how this is just painful. Now, we already showed you Liam Cosgrove calling this out, and it was, it was embarrassing when they tried to sidestep it there. This, this, I mean, this guy knows he's lying. That's my opinion, but I mean, I think it's pretty obvious here. Not waste everybody's time, and we'll move on to. So I have to waste your time, colleagues. So yes, ma'am. Will. Uh, ask the answer. Okay. Time for a few more. Tom, and then we'll go back here. Thanks, Pat. Uh, I wanted to follow up on, on your use of the phrase laws of war. I know on Tuesday you were asked what specific laws of war, and I don't want to get into that area either. But what I am curious is uh, Israel has signed many protocols from the Geneva Conventions. Are those what you refer to when you say the laws of war, without going into the weeds and what specific ones? I'm just trying to really get a grasp of this because that phrase has been used a lot by you and others. Yeah, again. Right, before he answers, like, th- think about, you can't have a more valid question. You have people in power continually citing these rules of war. And there's many different perspectives on which, like he's saying, Geneva Convention. The point is, they're supposedly citing these rules, and these people are simply going, which ones? <laughs> How, how about you let us check whether or not they're meeting these supposed rules of war? And every time you're like, well, I'm not going to get into a whole doctoral speech. It's, it's, that's not what he asked for. It's very, very clear. Actually, I'll wait to say this because somebody, uh, where this is coming from my mind, somebody's tweet they put out. It's very well put. This seems like an effort to hide behind. And Tom, I, I, you know, there's plenty of information online in terms of the judicial aspects <laughs> of laws of war. But as you know. Right, so it's online. Go find it. That's your answer? That's your answer as the press secretary for the Pentagon? Laws of armed conflict uh, is a significant uh, aspect in terms of what, you know, we in the Department of Defense abide by, um, but I'm not going to hold a lecture today. I, I, on, I know, but I wouldn't be specific when I'm asking, and I'm not trying to get a lecture. Proportionality. Uh, um, are the ones you're talking about the ones that Israel has ratified and signed or the broader laws? I'd refer you to Israel to talk about what they've ratified. You're yeah. the one using the phrase, Pat, not uh, them. No, what you're asking me to do is give a class on no, the laws. I'm not. I'm asking you gonna... which one? Not, not even remotely. Nobody thinks that. He was very specific. Is it this one or is it that one? That one. That's all. This no, that one. This one. That's all he had to say. Or I'm not going to answer. You're not going. You know, I was asking you for a class on anything. That this is an effort by this man to try to continually frame it as some kind of exhaustive question that we've already covered. And I just keep. Let's move forward. Because you're trying to hide from that. It's very scary. Not waste everybody's time. What you me to do is give a class on the no, laws I'm not. I'm you and I'm going to not waste you? everybody's time and we'll move on to. So I have to your time, colleagues. So yes, ma'am. Uh, just a follow up on the civilian wow. Sorry for wasting your time by asking which war, which rules of war has, has, has Israel ratified those? Are you talking about the Geneva Convention? Oh, you're re- wasting everyone's time. These are corporate journalists, and they're now looking like they care because they're asking the most basic of questions. This, they've, then when I say they've lost control of this and they've lost the information war, this is what I mean. Does anybody not see that? Even people that are lying about this can see that too, and they're going, dang it. Dang it, that's obvious. 
wild. Now, let's not forget, by the way, it's obvious that they're lying and that they are not following the rules of war or international law. As they said themselves on the temp, the the emphasis is on damage, not accuracy. That's reported by The Guardian. That's Israel on the record saying, no, no, we're not trying to be accurate. We're trying to destroy. And yet we pretend like they're worried that that means they're not following international law because they're not worried about civilian casualties, not even considering them. Now, we talked about this on the 27th. Evidence shows Israel killed its own citizens on the 7th. We covered those more in depth, the articles we read already, and that they killed this separate conversation. 53 UN staff, which is now up, journalists deliberately killed, children, hospitals, medics, deliberately. And we can prove this. Today, or excuse me, this was the one from before. I guess I didn't have to include that. It's now up to 59. The United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency an official part of the United Nations, people from all over the world. 59 people have been killed. You know why it keeps going up? Because they're indiscriminately bombing and they're bombing locations that are protected. They're bombing UN locations. Now realize not even Israel is claiming that Hamas is in these locations. They're just ignoring it. And following suit is all of the Western media and every single politician. I've not heard of one statement by any politician in the U.S., anybody in Europe, nobody is making a point about. How is that possible? It's because this destroys the narrative. I, I, I die on these sales. Every time I make these points, like I did with COVID, this is enough right there. That's why nobody talks about it. Where's all the big content creators? Make a point about this because you could prove that if they're bombing U.N. locations, which Israel has acknowledged they know we're there and acknowledged they know are protected, that means they are targeting civilians because it's not just 59 people in these buildings that are working for the UN. They're now sheltering. The last I heard was over 500,000 people that are incapable of moving. People that were fleeing from their homes, fleeing from other hospitals they bombed, or from the southern areas they told them they would be safe in that were bombing. And they're in these areas because they're incapacitated, because their legs are blown off, because they have... I mean, it's grotesque. And now they're continuing to bomb them. Many of these colleagues they have been killed were UN members that were in their homes with their families. It's, it's absolutely obscene. And every single day it continues. And this person makes a good point. Okay? Well, and also let's make sure we keep noting that even the groups refrain from making it clear who's bombing them. Which, by the way, we know. In the earliest examples, they were, it was very clear. It was an Israeli airstrike. But I guess they've been pulled back clearly because the UN, the body is never on the side of truth, in my opinion. Ultimately, though, we have examples of people within that body that do step out and make things happen in some cases. That's why it's always kind of a fluid body. That's why I've always pointed out. But they're, now they're, they, do, they just say 59 have been killed in Gaza. Well, Hamas is not bombing Gaza. Hamas is not bombing the UN locations. Not even Israel is claiming that, and that's the point. You know they would be screaming about this if they could blame Hamas. These people are telling you that's not. When they speak on the they speak on the news, they speak to the BBC. They're telling you it's Israeli airstrikes. Very clearly. This person simply says, "Well, why are they not calling for military police to go and arrest Netanyahu?" Right? I mean, that's how simple this is. There is no denying that this is a crime. That's why I get mad when they say, "Well, let's wait and let's go let's let this go but we'll, we'll reinvestigate." There's no this is a crime in the moment right now that you cannot deny. So whether or not this goes forward and everything gets resolved, you need to circle back and go, okay, Netanyahu, now come to the Hague so we can hold you accountable for 59 murders of UN personnel, which will never happen. 
They also point out, oh, I think I opened it twice. Oh, that's right. I had it as a comment. So here's somebody, this is somebody curses, by the way. It's, I'm almost certain this is a bot, by the way, which we're overrun with these things, these bot farms, which the U.S. and Israel and pretty much every main power has today. And they've admitted this. It says, F off, you terrorist baby killer lovers, whatever that means. So for the whole, you know, baby killer narrative, just that's what they use because they think that can, that they argue that babies were beheaded, which we've proven is false. And even they've had to admit that wasn't true. As the IDF has refused to investigate now, we know we can now prove the numbers even they're releasing shows no infants. The point is that this is what you do. Oh, they murdered UN members. What about the babies they beheaded? And then people just kind of walk away. This is nothing to do with Hamas. Terrorist killing? These are UN members. But you see, as long as they can try to conflate it and just act like that's what's happening, people might ignore it. Well, guess what? Oh, the one after that, I guess. Well, this this is also, they're saying missiles are dropping on us from everywhere. Now, only one group has missiles, guys. Don't forget that. And nobody knows if they will live to see another day. That's the United Nations speaking about their own people who are comment tweeting their uh, uh, messaging them. Saying, we don't know if we're going to live for tomorrow. Where's the United Nations? I mean, this should be, I mean, can you imagine if this was Iran or any adversary? My God, this would be every 24-7 about the UN. That's what it would be. Not when this happening because of Israel. Now, the United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency Commissioner General, Felipe Lazzarini, says if no more fuel is available for his colleagues in the coming days, this was on the 27th, so that's that's now, they will have to make even tougher decisions, which means they won't have anything. That the, point, the bottom line is IDF has now said whether or not we get hostages back, we're not letting fuel back in. You know why? Because that is the guarantee that makes sure that the even the small amount of aid they are putting in will not help anybody. They can't use fuel to heat. They can't use fuel to run generators. As everybody in the UN and people in human rights groups are telling you, without fuel, it's meaningless. So they get to pretend like we sent some aid and we're helping, but they know they're not sending fuel, which is what they need. And they're making sure that the babies and incubators, that people with ventilators, people that need these things in hospitals are going to die. Civilians, like that's a choice to make sure civilians die. All This is deliberate. There's no way around that. And again, I've made, I bring this up every time. Six people killed in an, a school in Gaza. A United Nations school that was bombed by, as Reuters puts, and this is my point, like they just because they don't say it on these tweets today, as even Reuters put, an Israeli airstrike on a UN school kills six children. Do we care about that? I guess not. I guess that doesn't matter. There's no claim of Hamas, not even Israel's claiming Hamas. They are now targeting these locations. They've targeted the food at UN locations. They've targeted the displaced people. They've targeted their homes. They've targeted, they've targeted the United Nations representatives. Why? Because they're helping Gaza. Well, apparently now, the blind Israel supporters are claiming, as I expected, that the not, not Israel themselves, because they can't get away with it right now, it'd be very people, it, they would lose even more than they already have in the information war. But their bots and people online are saying that the targeted bombing of UN facilities that are housing hundreds of thousands of sheltered victims of other Israeli bombings are justified. Why? Well, of course, because Hamas is there. Do we need evidence? No, we just, wherever they bomb, Hamas is there. That's the point. Or at least we'll assume that in the meantime to bomb them again. That's what he's saying. Of course, the UN is covering for Hamas. They don't have a choice. They're covering for them or they will get killed, which this person could not possibly know. And by the way, is not happening. 
because I have done my research and I have investigated. And we're speaking to people all over the world. It's not people in Gaza only. They're speaking from the United Nations. Their representatives are not just in Gaza. It's not happening. They're now whitewashing UN murder. Now, also, in case you missed this part of it, this is as of the twist uh, yesterday. UN peacekeepers are saying that they've been hit in a base in Lebanon. So it's almost like they're targeting the UN groups that are helping their enemies. I wonder. what do you, I, it's, it's not possible, right? They couldn't do that. Or they have all the time repeatedly for as long as I can remember. But, you know, you can choose. A, a base in Lebanon for, for UN peacekeepers. Again, don't take this as my support for the UN or the many different peacekeepers that are involved with rapes and all sorts of terrible things. My point is simply to make it clear that Israel is violating international law with impunity. They are now, they've now bombed a UN peacekeeping headquarters in Lebanon. They've also bombed and killed countless journalists. Not count, countless, but a lot. I, as far as I can tell, this is not even the full picture. But everyone pictured here has been killed by Israeli bombings. And they are press. They are protected press, or like with the medics, we'll show you next. All this is protected. All this is war crimes. And Abdallah Fahid points out, I truly cannot imagine any, any other war where mainstream U.S. media news outlets would not be expressing righteous indignation and outrage through editorials and statements and damning coverage over a country imposing a media blackout and killing scores of journalists. So they're, they're blacking out information, which is... It, 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 even when Iran gets attacked by outside and their power goes out, they go, look at them trying to blanket cover up and censor everybody. Like, and now we have Israel willfully doing that and not a peep. And then they murder journalists, not a peep. Because these people aren't journalists, they're cowards. It's despicable. Thank you. Not in my name, I guess you changed your name. <laughs> Thank you for pointing this out for me. Now here's also a clip, by the way, if you want to watch it which this is all over the place, guys. It's all over. Auschwitz survivor, a person who survived Auschwitz, is on the record saying Israel is behaving like 1930s Germany. <laughs> I, I just don't know how much we can miss of this. Abby Martin makes an excellent point in this that I think is really important to not miss. Well, first of all, David Sheen points out that Israeli TV, this is my point about how what's going on in Israel and what Israeli politicians and, and, and rulers are saying is completely di distorted and misrepresented by the West to what they want you to think they're saying. Because what they're saying is belligerent. And what they're doing is showing you they're willfully, almost gleefully killing people. That's not every Israeli, clearly. I can point out many groups that are fighting this and pushing back. But the rulers, it's everywhere. But Israeli TV running a counter... A, like a tally of fatalities in Gaza, most of whom are civilians, and we can prove that, and many of whom are children, 3,000 plus, under the heading, quote, terrorists we eliminated. I mean, what more do we need to see? A running tally of everyone dying in Gaza right now. So they're pretending that we're targeted, we're tactfully only going after Hamas, right? And then they, even, even the corporate media, even the U.S. government has it, it kind of grudgingly admitted, yes, even Matt Lee, or excuse me, yeah, Matt Miller from the State Department, even John Kirby is forced to admit, yes, some children have been killed. Okay, so we know that, right? So yet that means that Israel is actually tallying everybody being killed in Gaza and saying terrorists we eliminated. And yet then they'll tell you that, no, they're accidents. So then why then is Israel counting them as terrorists? It's that simple. 
because Kirby and Miller and Biden, they, they're lying to you. They're lying for an agenda or they don't know, which is even more embarrassing. They're counting everybody because they're bombing everybody. That's the point. They're carpet bombing Gaza. And everyone they kill, they're going ter terrorist. Now ask yourself this. How do they know the numbers? They're not there. You know how they know? They're simply taking the number the Gaza ministry points at and they're going terrorists. It's so simple. It is transparent. They want to kill everybody. And for those too lazy to drive to Surat to watch the genocide, they've got you covered with a live stream of the bombing. Surat is where they sit on the couches and eat popcorn and watch as they bomb children. It's been covered by The Guardian. Now, Abby Martin points out, while Biden shamefully disputes the death toll of mass slaughter in Gaza, Israeli media is proudly displaying the tally as terrorists we eliminate. It just makes me sick. Now, uh, Ghassan Abu Sita points out, Israelis increasingly using phosphorus bombs. Now, we, 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 I forgot to make this point before when we were covering corporate media even, that we're saying these fifth degree burns and different, they're talking about white phosphorus. Children with half their faces melted off. We've seen images of this day in and day out because they're using white phosphorus, a war crime. It's a chemical weapon. Treated a 13-year-old yesterday with distinctive phosphorus burns to both legs and thighs. This person is a plastic reconstructive surgeon. This person then comments, the same bot, I think. And did you comment on the over 1,400 Israeli babies, teens, mommies, daddies, grandparents who were barbarically burned to death, raped, beheaded, right? No, most of what they're saying there has been proven to be false. And then even the numbers now down to what, 13? The point is that this is a, a narrative spinner who is out there commenting under almost everything that I was posting on or resharing and going, you liar, you're a murderer, you're a terrorist. It's just, it's belligerent. And the point is, what does that have to do with this doctor treating white phosphorus burns? So somehow white phosphorus burns are now okay because Hamas killed people in Israel? That's what the point is, whether you think, whether you want to see it or not. The 13-year-old deserves to be burned her face off because of what happened in here over here. Or rather, because of the lies we're telling people that happened over here. Well, let's not forget, Human Rights Watch in 2009 and again in 2023 has made it clear. Israel is using white phosphorus on civilians. Over and over and over, so does the U.S., so do all the good guys, we're told, Right? And they're also making sure you don't miss that Israel is still blockading aid to civilians, which, by the way, is a war crime. And they know it. Human rights groups know it. UN knows it. So does the, every government knows it. We just, they're lying to you because of their political agendas. They don't care about people. As Dan Cohen points out, Israel is murdering American citizens trapped in Gaza with U.S.-made bombs. And the Biden administration is doing nothing to help them escape. American blood is on your hands, Joe Biden, Secretary Blinken. We already talked about this. American citizen... Who, and his sister was killed alongside of him. Americans are dying. It's not any more or less important than other people that are dying there. The point being made is that Biden, the president of the United States, doesn't care about American citizens being killed by his chief ally. It's just, I mean, the same thing, same thing we're saying Israelis. If you're an American, don't miss what that shows you. They don't care about you. They will sacrifice you in a blink of an eye to achieve their agenda or to gaslight for one of their allies. Well, we already talked about this. The American child killed in Gaza. An Israeli bombed the hospital. We'll talk about that in a minute. But here's an important article. State Department, this is from the 26th. 
struggles to explain why American citizens still can't exit Gaza. Now, this is my point about how they've lost the information war. This is embarrassing. This is ABC News, and they're destroying their narrative. This makes Matt Miller look like the fool that he is. It says, when Abu Akleh, a 36-year-old American father trapped in Gaza, received word from U.S. State Department officials informing him that the Rafah crossing in Egypt would likely be open on the 21st for the first time, first time since Hamas launched the, the attack on Israel, he thought the nightmare he had been enduring with his wife and young son might finally come to an end. Right, the nightmare because of the indiscriminate bombing, because of Israel. It's only, there's only one thing happening in regard to what's going on in Gaza. He took his family to the gate, waited all day. His lawyer, Sammy Nabulsi, said that he was waiting all day, while, but while humanitarian aid was allowed to come in, you know, like 4% of what's needed, no one was allowed to exit, along with no fuel, which invalidates even that 4% for the most part. He said, he said in the day, or the article goes on, in the days that followed, the State Department blamed a single culprit. Can you guess what that was? Hamas. That's it. Hamas did it. End of story. However, according to emails and messages reviewed by ABC News, U.S. officials privately provided a different explanation to O'Clay himself, saying their inability to cross the border was the result of a failure to lock up a diplomatic agreement among Israel, Egypt, and, the, and Hamas to grant American passage. Okay, so right there, they're lying to you. So they know it's not Hamas, and they even tell the American there, sorry, we're trying to work out a deal. And yet then they stand up and go, Hamas did it. And if you ask them, they call you a terrorist. You call you a liar. Why would you even need to lie about that? Well, because you never let a good crisis go to waste, right? So they, go, they take the opportunity to say Hamas is doing it. It's Hamas's fault. You should hate Hamas because we're in a propaganda war. So that really should make you wonder what else they're lying about regarding Hamas or anything else. It gets better or worse. He goes, quote, there's more than one sticking point. We need, this is still the State Department, we need Egypt, Israel, and the DFA to all to agree, which is interesting because all DFA essentially is the, the de facto authorities, so Hamas. <laughs> it's just like, it's just so embarrassing how they can't even name them a terrorist group, but they can't say a terrorist group when they're implying they want to work with them, so they go with the DFA. But 30 seconds ago, you called them terrorists, right? That is always the case. The Taliban were terrorists, and so they started dealing with them, and then now they're terrorists again. Or the Sudan was all terrorism until they normalized with Israel, and then we're going, oh, you're not now, even though nothing changed. These people don't care about these things. They don't they work with they work with terrorists as a matter of policy. The, the people they call terrorists are almost always not. It's ridiculous how this works. Point is, right in this discussion, the State Department is simultaneously admitting that they're lying about Hamas blocking people, but then also stating that they're kind of trying to work with Hamas to work this out. When really, they should be talking to the PLO or the Palestinian Authority, even though I think, my, again, don't think I can trust that. But what's interesting is they're desperately trying to make Hamas the grueling faction while claiming they're responsible for everything, but then that arguably means that they have to deal with them to work this out. I mean, these guys have worked themselves into such a ridiculous position, as usual, just because they don't want to admit that they're wrong, just because they don't want to expose their hand. Too late. You guys have lost. Doesn't mean they're going to stop murdering people, though. As of midday Wednesday, Nabulsi and Oakley say they haven't received any meaningful update from the State Department. So weeks have gone. They're just wait. They're, they're sitting there holding the bag. Nothing to do. 
The State Department doesn't care. As Americans continue to get murdered and bombed, as everybody else in Gaza is. Quote, he says, we are staying in place, trying to leave as airstrikes have been intensifying. Last night, we could still hear bombardment all around us. They're bombing the crossing. They're bombing right where these areas are, guys, so they could get killed any moment. Every day we are concerned it's going to become too late. Do you think the American government cares about these people if they've let them languish there for weeks as there's bombing all around them? They don't care about them. They don't care about the hostages. It seems kind of clear this is the Hannibal Directive, possibly all the way around. The State Department declined to comment on a private correspondence, because that's fake news, apparently. But spokesperson Matthew Miller has publicly acknowledged that the department advised Americans in Gaza that the Rafah gate would possibly be open for them on a few previous occasions when it turned out not to be the case. Whoops. And said the department had sent a message on Wednesday to them saying officials were continuing to work out a solution. Okay, so you just admitted you lied then. That's Matt Miller's job, to lie to you. My point is, he just basically said, well, we're starting to work out a deal. Okay, well, if you're working out a deal, then obviously Hamas wasn't stopping anybody. Really, what you're telling us is Israel and Egypt, for that matter, are the ones stopping people from leaving. And what that really amounts to at the end of the day, and I'll play this clip in a minute, is that they're refusing to let them into Israel. When, why not? If you're really, if you're trying to rescue these civilians, is what you keep claiming, let them into Israel. Why not? Aren't they, aren't, I mean, is that, aren't they right now existing in occupied Palestine, which is part of Israel? Like, it's just blatant. They're trying to displace and remove these people from their, well, I was going to say responsibility, but they don't have, they claim no responsibility as they use them, take what they want from them, and don't give them most of what is sent for them, and then act like it's their fault. And then Matt Lee, and then Matt Miller, excuse me, says, Hamas did it, but then admits that they were de- working with the working with Hamas to work out the deal. In the hours after Nabulsi was told that there were multiple factors preventing his family from leaving Gaza, Secretary of State Blinken blasted only Hamas. This is my point. So he's being told personally, no, we're trying to work, we're trying working with Hamas in Egypt. And that day, Blinken stands up and says, Hamas is stopping everybody. This guy's going, he's a liar. Literally. He goes, quote, so really the ball is on is in Hamas's court, Blinken says, in terms of letting people who want to leave civilians from third countries, including America, get out of Gaza. Guys, that is wholesale lie. That's not true. Not only has Israel bombed the crossing, what, five or six times, according to Egypt, they bombed them on the way to the crossing. They are stopping them from leaving. And on top of that, Egypt has made it clear they don't want to let them in. And all they want to do is just blame it on Hamas because they're desperate to make Hamas the bad guy. And I'm not saying that they're completely free from crime here. Obviously, I think we can prove, as even they would admit, that they there's civilians that were killed, and there should be accountability for that. But Hamas, in this case, as the entity, as the original legal action of the Geneva Conventions, is milk toast right now compared to what's going on in Gaza. I mean that. That's not, I'm not talking about the civilian casualties in Israel. I'm talking about the original invasion and Hamas as an entity, entity in general. There's plenty of things we could point at that I would find distasteful, possibly illegal. But what's going on in Gaza? As I've, I said this the other day, guys, we will talk about this as, as the human species for a thousand years. What we're seeing in Gaza will not be forgotten. This, this is a generation-changing genocide. It's unbelievable. And I mean, that's why I said earlier, they have now effectively turned this into a story about Gaza because of what they've done. 
<clears throat> even though really, again, the origin is, as the Pakistani representative told you, the original sin was the illegal occupation. But it goes on to say on Monday, Miller echoed Blinken. Even though Miller just told them secretly that it wasn't this, he then went on to lie because that's what his job is, saying Hamas was the only entity standing in the way. What a child. Quote, the reports we're, we were given on the ground is that Hamas was there blocking anyone from coming through the gate from the Gaza side out to Egypt. That's what, that's what Miller said on the record. But <laughs> even ABC has the courage to point this out, which I thought, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying that. But video and images sent by Oakley, you know, the person, Amer the American citizen on the ground, not some Hamas member, not even a Palestinian. For those out there questioning, it's an American citizen who sent images on Saturday that show no one blocking the crossing. Interesting how that works, right? Only a gathering of people, including women and children, standing up against a closed gate with luggage and not being allowed to cross. That's a choice, guys. State Department officials have walked back their initial claims of Hamas barricade. Oh, what do you know? What do you mean walked back? So you were lying then. Well, we were operating with, with incomplete information. That's, that's just their go-to, right? No, you lied. You lied because you're lying for an agenda. Quote, Hamas has had no one there manning the border station. You know who said that? Miller. <laughs> Miller said that after he just called you a conspiracy theorist. For, but he says, remember that this, air, this is an area that is administered by Hamas. Okay. Miller said that in an interview on Wednesday. So there has been a problem in getting people through to the Gaza side into a no man's land where, there can ultimately get, where they can ultimately get across to the Egyptian side of the be processed. I mean, guys, this is just the most embarrassing play. They're playing on the lack of information of the average person. So first of all, it is Hamas stopped them. That gets exposed. So now they go, oh, wait, I meant the Hamas wasn't present. And they need to be present because they're in control of the crossing. That's not true. They don't control any of this stuff. Israel has control because it's an open-air prison, guys. Hamas is trapped in there like everybody else. They, you think they would let them have control of the crossing into Egypt? Like, think about how, like, kindergarten-level stupid that is. This is them trying to dig their way out of a hole. The, but even, let's just say they did have control over it. You just told us they were stopping people. Then that, on a dime, turns into, no, they weren't there, and that's why they couldn't get through? I guess, I just can't wrap my mind around how, I, I think everybody sees this. Or my point was, if they don't, I don't know how that's possible. This is on corporate media right now. Miller did not explain, as ABC News writes, why Hamas's absence from the border station prevented Americans from leaving Gaza at all, but has so far not hindered the flow of humanitarian aid. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, so clearly there's gates being opened and things are being in and out, but you're stopping people, not Hamas, because you just told us they weren't there. So who is it then, guys? Easy to factor in. Quote, I don't know, actually, it says, if someone is opening the other side of the vehicle gate that these trucks are coming in through. I assume it's Hamas, but I don't know that for a fact. Wow, that's Miller. So it went from, they're there stopping everybody. Oh, wait, no, I mean, they're not there. And that's why it's not happening. Except, no, now I mean that I don't even know. So I'll stop talking. <laughs> it's just like, we need to laugh at this person. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, I'm not, you know, I shouldn't even say it's not his fault. My point is that he's, his job is to lie and he's lying for something that's the most obvious lie in the world. So he's, he's destined to fail. 
I assume it's Hamas. I don't know. Stop asking me questions. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. Speaking on the condition of anonymity, a State Department spokesperson signaled that negotiations with all parties involved, which includes Hamas, in opening the Rafa crossing to foreign nationals was ongoing. Right. So they're willing to speak quietly and go, no, no, we're trying to deal with them. But if you ask us to run the record, we're going to go only Hamas. I says, Okal said that he and his wife are trying to shelter their one-year-old son from the impacts of war, but they can only do so much. Unfortunately, he says, yesterday, remember this is on the 26th, so on the 27th, two days ago, he ran out of milk for his son. Quote, we opened the last box and basically thought we will be completely out. It will be his first night ever in his entire life to go to sleep without having milk. So we're hopeful that they will not be too bad of a night. Well, that was two days ago, and as far as I know, they're still not letting people out. So now you got an American child starving there, which again, meaning that's more important than other children. But I'm saying that as the American government, the U.S. government allowing this to happen and lying about it, it's despicable. These are terrible, terrible people. Now again, here is what the Pakistan ambassador to the U.N. said, which quite frankly, guys, I think that this is what most people feel right now. That is- if one were to see the situation that is on the ground with Israeli bombs that are there for 20 days against the helpless Palestinian people, with 7,000 men, women, and small children, half of them children, killed by Israel in the last 20 days, 17,000 injured, 1.1 million Palestinians displaced. The enormity of the crimes that are being committed by Israel against the Palestinian people are so great and enormous that it is amazing that when my friend from Canada insists on naming the organization Hamas that he does not feel the need for the equity and balance and fairness for which Canada is so well known. He does not feel the need to name Israel for killing 7,000 Palestinians and injuring 17,000. Only Hamas. Is this balance? He says what needs to be named has to be named. We believe Israel needs to be named. If you are fair, if you are equitable, if you are just, you will not blame one side and not the other. And if you were to go back to the issue of who started this, we all know who started this. It is a 50 years of Israeli occupation and the murder and killing of Palestinians with impunity that started this. When you push a people into the corner, they will respond. This is what the Secretary General said. It did not happen in a vacuum. And look at the reaction that, was, that came from the Israeli representative. 
insulting the Secretary General, calling for his resignation. They can't face the truth. They can't face justice. They can't face the fact that the, crime, that the crime has originated with the Israelis. The Israeli occupation is the original sin in this case. It is not what happened on the 7th of October. That is the proximate cause. But the real cause is the occupation of Palestine. Well said. And completely and provably accurate. Now, of course, that does not then mean that the lives in Israel don't matter. The only people trying to make that argument, like Ben Shapiro, are trying to gaslight for one side only. When people like the Pakistani UN ambassador are calling, are making sure we make clear that lives matter on all sides. And now what's going on in Gaza is one of the worst things we've ever seen in history at this point. So it's kind of hard to not pay attention to that. <clears throat> but as he writes, Ben Shapiro here writes, no ceasefire with Hamas evil. If the world is truly concerned about Palestinian life, the answer is simple. Hamas must surrender. Right. Well, again, we know now we know that Hamas was created by Israel and that they even according to Haaretz were continuing to fund and give them arms and funding right up until the beginning of this event. According to Haaretz, does, does Ben care about that? It doesn't matter. The point is, he is simply in the most egregious way possible that even his own audience seems to pick up right now, shilling for one thing only. I mean, it's painfully obvious to the point to where the lack of integrity is striking. Like the idea that you could pretend like right now we're going to keep bombing civilians. I mean, and here's the big thing about this. You're telling, you're saying no ceasefire. So that means you're willing to allow the potential murder of your own hostages that you continue to argue is the reason this needs to continue. Like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're literally saying we'll keep doing this until you give us the hostage back. But as you keep bombing, you're going to kill more hostages. That doesn't sound like an honest position to me. But Underloyd points out, well, why did BB support evil? Because remember this, even Haaretz points this out, and this was right when this started. I think this was on the 8th or the 7th or the 9th, but it was from the 2019 quote. Anyone who wants to thwart the establishment of a Palestinian state has to support bolstering Hamas and transferring money to Hamas. That's what they were quoting. That's what Haaretz was referencing. Okay, so he says Hamas is evil. Well, okay, so then you're claiming you're the government that you're completely supporting blindly supported, funded, and gave money and weapons to evil. See, it's not a, there's no integrity in the stance. It's completely contradicted. But the point is, we care about Palestinian life and we care about Israeli life. It's not one or the other. He's constantly trying to make it about divide and conquer. Hamas must surrender. Hamas is, an, is one entity. And as we keep trying to point out, as even one of the main representatives of the PLO just made clear, and even the BBC asked him directly, that when this shift happens, are you ready to take power? They're not asking Hamas. So the, the idea that we have to, they, when they somehow surrender, that changes the dynamic, it doesn't. They're making it clear, as they told you earlier, that we want to exterminate the entire group. We want to get rid of all the Palestinians. We want to move them into the desert. And I'll show you that next. People like Ben either don't know that or don't care. Here, by the way, is what he's allowing to happen. One of the, you know, It's one of these pictures that just really encapsulates everything that's going on. Breaks my heart. In this picture, is this the picture that shocked the conscience of the world? Or are they coldly unmoving, please tell me, Israelis comment or commit genocide? This is a dead child trapped in the building. It, it just, it's the only reason I, see, I, I've been really trying not to show the, the graphic stuff because I don't find a use for it. 
We all know children are dying. People that are out there dumping these graphic images in front of you on a daily basis. I'm not going to say all of them are doing it for wrong reasons, but I think that I don't, I don't think that's the right thing to be doing right now. I don't think it's respectful of their, of their families at the end of the day. Anyway, the point, point is this, it just, it, it's striking. And I, we need to drink this in and understand that there's civilians that are dying on a moment to moment basis. And they want you to think that's okay. They want you to look at this dead child trapped in there, probably with the rest of his family and act like this is acceptable because Hamas has hostages or because Hamas is a bad guy or because of whatever they want to tell you. It doesn't, there's no narrative that makes this make sense. That's what we all used to pretend was the logic we accepted. And we did, which it's just now, it's now being revealed that they never did. They never cared about it. And as this person also points out, boycott these brands as the whole BDS conversation, because these are the, these are the companies that are profiting off of this. I mean that. They are making money off of the stealing of land from Palestinians and the ongoing genocide. KFC, McDonald's, Burger King, Nesquik, all of them. Carl's Jr., Hardee's, Duncan. Makes me sick. By the way, every single thing listed here, you should run away from screaming anyway, because it'll probably kill you faster than anything else. But this is what they're protecting. This is what Ben Shapiro wants to continue doing and allow to happen until a faction in Gaza were surrenders. What about the Palestinian Islamic Jihad? Didn't, didn't, didn't Israel already now say that they were involved? So what happens if Hamas surrenders and they're still fighting? Oh, gee, I wonder what will happen. They'll keep going. Dishonest. Well, Jewish Voice for Peace, you know, the group that Ben Shapiro called trash because they dare call for peace. This is what genocide looks like, they write. These are the 2,913 at this point in time, which was on the 28th, Palestinian children killed by the Israeli military this month. That's real, guys. I mean, this has been the Washington Post made this made this made it clear. Not that I again, that none of these are meant to say I blindly trust the white mainstream media. My point is that even groups that are usually the ones trying to distort these things are being forced to acknowledge that this is what's going on. Defense for Children now updated to today. So just make sure we understand 2,913 as of the 28th, one day goes by. Now it's up to 3,324. Now, arguably, you could have these numbers with some little bit of gap in between, but we're talking about 300 plus children in one day, at least on the updated number. That's 3,324 children, right? We are now more than double, almost, well, I mean, it would be what? Yeah, no, more now more than double of the number they claim were killed in Israel, which is now being shown to at least so far be at least half IDF. That's all, that's the entirety which, by the way, again, it seems only seven to ten, even people seven and up. We're talking about toddlers, infants, people, children in incubators, and teens killed. 3,324, nearly 7,000 children injured, 1,000 currently missing under the rubble. But Ben wants you to think that's acceptable because Hamas. Piers Morgan says this meme's gone viral. And I understand why, he says, because he cares. I'm being facetious, obviously. The situation in Gaza is horrifying, and I desperately, I'm desperately sad for all innocent Palestinians being killed and wounded. But there shouldn't be a but right there, right? But this, no, nobody honest is making it about an either-or situation. Like, look, I'm I'm standing here and telling you that I care about innocent people on all any side. I'm not. There's no but there. There's not. I care about Palestinian Israeli citizens being killed. But you see my point? Like, that's not what's happening. 
Now, I, I will go into the history and show you why there's the actions are being taken, not justifying them, but understanding it. But what he's doing is saying, but if you refuse to condemn Hamas, you have no right to condemn Israel. Well, that's not, you don't get to dictate how people see this situation. Either side is easy to condemn right now. The point is, this person says, have you ever told anyone that if they refuse to condemn Israel for their occupation in apartheid, then they have no right to condemn Hamas? I highly doubt it. That does not get any more clear. It's a one-sided gaslighting game where you redirect outrage to one side. We care about all this side, but do you condemn Hamas? And that's, the, that's what this is showing you. Do you condemn everyone? She's holding her dead child and they said, do you condemn Hamas? Because that's what we care about. It really makes your skin crawl. These people are creeps, man. I mean, I mean that. Like the kind of person that is not only allowing this, but then pretending like they're the good guy, as I've said so many times in my career. Eva Bartlett writes this article, right? This is more than one article, in fact, but she, this is a compilation of her older work. It's referencing past Israeli crimes. Now, the reason this is important, guys, is because right now, 3,324 children are dead. And that's, you know, I, I don't even, I actually don't even, I think I forgot to include the update on the total number, but this is going before this. This is from 2009, Israel war on Gaza. And this one story is about two and seven-year-old girls that were gunned down at point blank by Israeli soldiers. Their four-year-old sister survived multiple shots. Why? Because they were Palestinians. It's that simple. And you can read this for yourself in the horrific breakdown of how long this has been going on and how long they've been murdering innocent people for no justice. It's just, it never ends. And it gets into the kind of, you know, I'm talking about the butterfly bullets and the different kind of illegal munitions they use against children. High Impact Flix points out, if you doubted that Zionists, and again, not Jewish people, but Zionists controlled Congress, doubt no longer. They're all occupants in the den of vipers, he puts it. It's a big club and you ain't in it. And what he's referencing, Mint Press News put out a meme, which we, I think, no, I don't think we referenced this yet. The Senate passed the bill. No, we did. We referenced this quickly in the other show. They passed a bill 97 to zero. That means that includes Rand Paul, Bernie Sanders, anybody else that tries to act like in some cases they 97 to zero endorsing what Israel's doing. We're all, we need to see through the game I, we love to think somewhere. I mean, I, I, I enjoy when they say things I agree with, but it's all a big show guys. These people are not real in my opinion. Not, not, I don't mean that in like the explicit sense. I just mean that we're never being presented the truth. That is the truth right there. Now this video documents parts of what happened in Gaza during the period when the communications internet were cut off, which is the most degree, most parts still happening a little bit graphic. So be prepared. This is what was going on while they shut off the power where nobody could see what was going on. And there's a reason they did that. They wanted to hide this from public view. That, that, what you're seeing, that's white. Many of these are, I mean, some of these are burns, but you're going to see some of these that I think are from white phosphorus, which again, has been completely confirmed by the Human Rights, Human Rights Watch. And you know why they're all laying on the floor? Because they don't have beds, because they don't have anesthetic, they don't have anything. 
They don't have generators. They don't have anything they need. Well, that means I shouldn't say they don't have generators. They don't have fuel to run what they need or they're running out in most of these cases. But the reason they're on the floor is because they don't have what they need to do this the right way. They don't have anesthetic. They've run out of all this stuff. They've already said this. They've been screaming about this. But Ben wants to continue because Hamas. As Caitlin Johnstone reports, Spectator Index reports, Israel Communications Minister says the country will use the available means to prevent Elon Musk from providing internet access to relief groups in Gaza. Which, quite frankly, I don't know what the reality was of whether he, he reported that he was going to try to send the Starlink, which, you know, I, I, I mean, it's, it's hard for me right now to try to link this into bigger topics just because of how grotesque this is. But really, we should not shy away from asking whether there's larger Great Reset agendas that are being used or just taking advantage of what's going on. But either way, they're now stepping up and going, we won't, we're not going to, we're going to stop him from doing that. And, and this is what Caitlin Johnstone says, confirms theories that Israel primarily wanted a total information blackout in Gaza to prevent information about its crimes against humanity from being broadcast rather than for any strategic reason. Even this criminal, this mass murderer criminal, Tedros, of, of, speaks up of the WHO and says reports of intense bombardment in Gaza are extremely distressing. This is how much they've lost control of this. Because these were not good people. The, really, the point is, though, that, that everybody sees this. So you, now you're getting people in positions of power that are like, we can't just keep towing this line. We're all going to go down with this. That's what it feels like to me. Evacuation of patients is not possible under such circumstances, nor to find safe shelter. That's true. We've been saying this from the beginning because it's true. The point is, all these people that are incapable of moving, you can drop as many leaflets on them as you want. They can't move. And all they do is go, Hamas kept them there. And that's what Ben would say. The blackout is also making it impossible for ambulances to reach them. So the blackout that they they intentionally created is stopping them from even helping the innocent civilians that they're then bombing. I mean, this is egregious. That's This is, in my opinion, designed to be this disgusting. We are still out of touch with our staff and health facilities. I'm worried about their safety. Okay, then do something about it. I'm not saying the WHO it, it should ever have any power to take legal action against people in the in other governments what i'm saying is if you if this you just said things that you say that by stating these clearly you think they're happening and these are war crimes so why aren't you calling somebody why aren't you calling the Hague or the united nations saying look these are war crimes that we can prove do something about it because my, what I'm trying to get at is all of these high-minded people are pointing at this and half of them without even really stating that, I mean, where's the word Israel in this? I don't see the Israel being named because they, as much as we all know what he's talking about, he just doesn't say Israel did it. So people go, well, we don't know who he's talking about. The point is because there's no accountability because these people will stop short of actually calling for criminal action because that's usually how this goes. Jeremy Corbyn points out people in Gaza are dying in the darkness. This unthinkable horror cannot be undone, and history will not forgive those who refused to treat Israeli and Palestinian lives with equal worth, because that's what we're actually talking about. 
please, we need a ceasefire now. Not one or the other. One's more important or one was more murder, more children, that they are refusing to treat them as equal. Or as what he as as, as uh, Hassan, I believe, said in, in regard to the Palestinian Authority, all we ask for is the equal application of international law. But of course, they call you a terrorist for asking for that, which should show you who the real terrorists are. Getting even with Hamas, he says, is fair, Elijah. Killing thousands of women and children. Leveling a city when you know Hamas leadership isn't even in the city. Well, that's called a war crime. Glad to see many who initially supported this nonsense come to their senses and see for what it is. This is the Israeli military saying fighter jets struck more than 450 targets in Gaza just over the past day. This this is IDF bragging about this. Demolishing. Well, you know why? Because they are trying to eradicate these people. They're telling you that. Netanyahu just cited a biblical passage about eradicating the population. Many of the people in power have said nobody is innocent. People in the IDF have said we have to kill all of them. Yes, Palestinians. It's very clear. And then Biden gets up and says they want peace and a two-state solution. That's how stupid this is. How insulting this is. This person says, okay, then then you have to prove there was no leadership there. And Israel knew it. Oh, does he? Love all the newly minted twit lawyers with expertise in war crimes. God, these people are so stupid. So now, in order to, like, so get, get the logic here. You bomb areas with lots of civilians, which these people are okay with because, well, Hamas is holding them. So they're legal targets under the broken logic of these murdering, justifying, whitewashing, genocide type people. But he's saying, well, you have to prove to me that there was leadership there after they've murdered everyone and they bombed it now, right? How in the hell do you do that? This is being set up to whitewash and justify without being able to prove anything. And the argument is that we have to prove after the fact that leadership wasn't there. No, the point is that you are choosing to kill civilians alongside what you claim was Hamas leadership. It doesn't matter whether there was leadership there. That is what collective punishment was created for. You're hurting them alongside the bad guys. That's the definition of it. Like, it's interesting how they're literally pointing to the exact reason for collective punishment and going, that's what justifies the murder. No, it doesn't. That's why it's a crime, because you're killing them with them. You're starving them alongside Hamas. Collective punishment. I mean, it's about as simple as it gets. Max Egan points out on top of all of that, as I think uh, Hamzat is what it was. I think I'm forgetting his name. I got to remember his name. I respect this, what he's been saying. As he points out, there's no symmetry here. It's an occupied territory and the occupiers. There's no symmetry. And as, he, as Max Egan writes, Israel's war on Gaza. Gaza has no military, no artillery, no tanks, no RVs, no air force, no navy, no body armor, no helmets, no heavy weapons, no fuel, no electricity, no comms, no help. 2.3 million walled in besieged civilians, 50% of the population, 14 young or old or younger. Over 7.8 thousand 7,800 now dead, over 3,500 children dead. The greatest act of genocide and cowardice in all of modern history. Israel's war on children, like shooting fish in a barrel. The point, though, and like, like Dan Cohen points out, and they're losing to this. No military, no artillery, no tanks, no RVs, no Air Force, no Navy, no body armor, no helmets, no heavy weapons, no fuel, electricity, or comms, or no outside help, and still... 
This is why it's very embarrassing for them. And that's where the Hannibal directive comes from. Just kill them all on the record. The U S government will cover it up for you. Just like Shireen Abu Akleh. Well, and here's your example of that. Did, did, you, did you notice that the, the new speaker is just like the last one? He supports Israel blindly. The first bill that I'm going to bring to the floor will be support of our dear friend Israel. That's what he said. I mean, it's, it's round and round, guys. It doesn't stop. All of them agree. That's why they did 92 to zero. And guess what? He went and spoke in front of a pro-Israel crowd and donors. And he says this, I personally assure Netanyahu that Congress will back the war unwaveringly till the end. How can you even possibly say that? Because you don't know what might happen tomorrow, right? What if he uses a nuke? That's the point, guys. That's what unwaveringly means. We blindly support them, no matter what. As Biden told you, if we didn't have an Israel, we'll have to create one to support his interests. These people are the bad guys in the situation. You are blindly supporting this, even though you know crimes are being committed because that's what your interests are. And he says, as a Christian, we believe the Bible teaches very clearly that we're supposed to stand with Israel. Again, first of all, we're talking about Zionists who have used the biblical context of Israel to manipulate Jews and apparently Christians too. That's according to Orthodox Jews all around the world. But see, these people don't care. I, don't, I quite frankly don't think most people are even religious. I think this is about manipulating others. But that's for you to decide. Either way, if he believes as a Christian that's the case, you're being manipulated by Zionists like everybody else. Either way, unwaveringly till the end, that is dangerous last words right there. This is going to get bad with people like this in power. Worse, I guess, than the one of the worst, if not the worst genocide we've ever seen in our lives, if that's even possible. Well, the serious report. Now we hear that the U.S. is insisting that all weapons given to Israel have to be used within the context of international law so as to protect civilians in Gaza. Yeah, it only took them three plus weeks, right? Well, now we care about law after half the population we kill. Why not? Guys, that is them recognizing that we see them. They're now trying to lay the groundwork to act like we were always on the side of the law. No, you weren't. You're literally sending weapons to people that are murdering children in real time. And all you do is go, please don't do that if you can. That doesn't work. But my point on top of that, didn't he just say unwaveringly? And now they're going, but, 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 not, but not that. That is not unwaveringly. So he's telling Netanyahu, don't worry, we'll do whatever we need to do. That's what he's telling him personally and speaking to a bunch of Israeli donors. Don't worry, we'll do whatever. But then they tell the Americans something very different. It says, to those who are informed, this makes complete sense. To those entertained, by, uh, entertained, they are confused because it contradicts their conspiracy theories. There are reports that Israel has agreed, in consultation with the U.S., to not implement their original large-scale ground offensive in Gaza and instead adopt several occasions which mu- with much more limited scope. This is what we've been telling you the whole time. And then you got people on Fox and CNN telling you that they've already invaded. People call me going, the ground invasion has started. And I'm like, gosh, man, it's just nonstop misinformation. And that's why they censor people like us. Follow the serious report. This Catherine Austin Fitz platform. It's always, it's always good takes. But the point, only weapons used that don't violate the law, right? And if they violate the law, they go, well, we probably didn't, though. We don't know. We'll investigate later. Well, a NATO ally, as we keep showing you, Turkey has now pulled, Israel in this case, in response, has pulled their diplomats from Turkey to reassess ties. But this is where Erdogan steps in. 
It says in his address to hundreds of thousands who joined the rally, Erdogan also held Western countries responsible. Oh, wait, hold on for here. Hold on. So the point is that he Erdogan accuses Israel or <laughs> points out Israel's war crimes. Announcement it came as Erdogan told a mass pro-Palestine rally in Istanbul on Saturday that his country was making preparations to proclaim Israel, the state of Israel, a war criminal for its actions in Gaza. Good. The illegal state of Israel. That's the point. You see how it just refreshed on me? <laughs> Times of Israel. Classic. Every 10 seconds this thing refreshes. Who knows what they just changed? In his address to hundreds of thousands of people, he says he also held the West countries responsible. Good. So this is so interesting how Turkey always plays this weird individual role in regard to, like, they do whatever they want. NATO just goes along with it. The point is, they're standing up and doing the, they're the one NATO country that seems to be going, nope, that doesn't matter. You're committing war crimes. Israel will, be pro will, will proclaim you as a war criminal, or Israel, we, will proclaim you as a war criminal to the world. He says, we are making our preparations and we will declare Israel to the world as a war criminal. It's a big deal. Here's a huge Palestinian support rally in Turkey. Pretty big deal. My point is, even NATO allies are seeing this. People around the world are not, they're, everybody is seeing this. Here's Cuba. Cuban president speaks up condemning Israel and the, and the United States for waging 75 years of genocide and occupation on Palestine. I mean, obviously, Cuba has a reason to push back on this. The point is that everybody in the world, even U.S. allies, are at very least on very uncomfortable what's going on. But here's what Israel says. The account of Israel on Twitter. Amnesty International first tweets, cease fire now, cease fire now. Right? So very simple. We want a ceasefire. And you know what a ceasefire means? Everybody stops firing. That's not saying Israel stop firing. That's saying ceasefire. So that means... Hamas stops fires rockets. Palestinians in general stop firing. Israelis in general stop firing. It's an equal thing. That's what that means. And we all know that. Very basic. And then it says, in the face of unfettered devastation and suffering, humanitary must prevail. Doesn't say Gaza. Demand a ceasefire by all parties to end civilian suffering. Okay, so in nowhere does that make it about one side. It's simply saying, stop the rockets from Hamas, because that might hurt Israeli civilians, and stop the bombing in Gaza, because that is hurting Palestinian civilians. Ceasefire. It's very simple. How did Israel respond? Give us back our children now. Give us back our children now. Give us back our children. Okay. Well, despite the fact that I think it's very un, it's unproven at this point that I think they have any, if not the amount of children they're saying they do, Hamas says that's not true. And I think at some point with the claims, well, actually, we'll get to this next about the hostage point, or rather the, the release of prisoners, which Israel has already refused in regard to getting their own prisoners back. Isn't that an interesting statement? So when they call for ceasefire on both sides, Israel says no until we get what we want. So what you're saying then is you're going to continue to bomb where those children are until you get your children back? Yeah. And Amnesty is simply going, let's stop firing everywhere so we can save those civilians. And God, Israel says, no, we want to risk their lives until we get what we want. I mean, there's no misunderstanding that. I just don't get why the average person who may be honest in this, but's blinded by the narrative can't see that. Why is it okay to bomb these air? Probably because they take the narrative that they're targeted bombing and only Hamas and blah, blah, blah. But isn't the argument that Hamas is holding the children? So it's like, it's just so blatant that what they're doing is putting their lives at risk. 
And all Amnesty's calling for is a ceasefire to actually help those civilians. Israel's making it clear they don't want to do that. Hannibal Directive. They also say, we will protect our families, full stop, as you literally bomb where those families are. So if you're an Israeli, you need to understand. They're playing this card to get you to think they're fighting for your family, as they literally bomb where your family's being held. That's not hard to understand. They don't care about them. Just like I would say the U.S. government doesn't care about civilians in their country. These governments are using you. You are expendable to them, as seen by the different civilian hostages that have already been killed or prisoners. Well, Catherine Russell from the from UNICEF. Again, Oxfam, UNICEF, every human rights group, the UN, literally everybody is calling this out for what it is. Even Antonio Guterres, the one that recently said it didn't happen in a vacuum, and they called for his resignation for stating a basic objective reality. He says, I repeat my call for a humanitarian ceasefire. So despite the fact that they're calling for his resignation, he came out and reiterated it, which I don't like any of these people, but good for him for sticking up for that at the very least. He says, the unconditional release of all hostages and the delivery of life-saving supplies at the scale needed. Okay, so all they're saying is release the hostages. Right, so we want a ceasefire and the unconditional release, which means all of the people in Gaza would be returned and Hamas has already said they want to do that. And what does Israel do? They say no. I don't understand how we can't see how clear that is. And then and UNICEF says children are being killed. Children are suffering. It has to stop now. That's so, this is clear that we're talking about everything. Stop it all so we can save the people that you keep saying you want to save. He says everyone must assume their responsibilities. History will judge us all. And they just keep going. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. I saw this from Aaron Mate. Hamas's proposal for releasing hostages. The Washington Post. Oh, how did I do that? Got this all mixed up. Here, hold on. I think that was it right there. That's why I get them in order so I don't forget them. Dang it. Okay, let's leave it there. All right, so for the podcast, I was just kind of reorganizing real quick, so I'm in order. But so here, this is uh, Mohammed Al Safin pointing this out, and he highlights some things here. I'll go through some other stuff that I found as well. This is just from the article, Washington Post, from the 26th of this month. Israel conducts largest Gaza raid yet amid calls for ceasefire. Now, this is just a little in raid, and what they're saying happens pretty much every time I've investigated, turns out to not be the truth based on objective sources that are saying that they didn't, you know, it's always the same game I was playing before. Hamas says they killed everybody. Israel says nobody died or vice versa. It's every time. They always want to frame them as the win. But the point is that this is not just about the raid. It's about what they say in here regarding the prisoners. But a couple of things that are important here to start. It says Gaza's health ministry said Thursday, which again, the Washington Post has acknowledged is a, has always been accurate in history about these. It doesn't mean they're not lying now. But it means that historically, they've been a very well-sourced document point, And now Kirby just makes this up and says, Hamas controls them. Even the Washington Post said that wasn't true. But it says, Gaza's health ministry said Thursday that at least 7,082 Palestinians in the enclave have been killed since the start of this operation, including nearly 3,000 children. And you can see these numbers fluctuate depending on who you're listening to. Because most of these are estimates, again, because you're finding people in real time and there are still people being killed and you know, buried and so on. In a joint statement released Thursday, 
this last week, foreign ministers of nine Arab countries called for an immediate ceasefire and the facilitation of a rapid, safe, and sustainable humanitarian access to Gaza. Guys, that's the one main thing that not they are clearly don't want to allow. I, it's, it's almost embarrassingly obvious that they kind of don't even want their own hostages back. But the fact that they don't want help to come in is because I think this is about getting them out of there. Which, again, it's not even that unique of an opinion. I think it's very clear. But it says, uh, which is under complete siege, but it goes on to say the statement signed by, interestingly enough, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, and others that said the right to self-defense, quote, does not justify flagrant violations of international law. And this is the point I'm making. Your claim to the right to self-defense, which literally everybody everywhere has the right to, does not circumvent the law. Just be, you, you to turn that even like they've had these people writing like political articles that say these are valid targets because they're hostages. Well, that completely contradicts like every standing point we have about this topic. The analogy I made the other day was so you someone has hostages in a bank robbery, you just murder them all and say, well, you had him, so he's a fair target. It's not war, but it's the same concept. In what world have we ever argued that the hostages were it or what's the word for it? Jeez, uh, I can't think of the word. They're just, they're, they're, I want to remember it, but they're not useful, that they're not necessary, right? At what point did we ever decide that hostages were just, or prisoners, or however you want to frame it, were useless to you? Oh, God damn, I wish I remember the word. The point being that they obviously don't care about their lives. And they would kill them to be able to achieve their goal. Historically, that has always been how you frame the bad guy. We know this. In any movie you watch, they're the ones that will kill the hostages to get what they want, right? And the other good guys are the ones that have to stop. I mean, it's just that simple. And that's why they've kind of shook free a lot of people from the lies. Because there's good people that have been taken by the narratives and they suddenly go, wait a minute, I, ha- I have a- an integrity. I can tell that this is wrong. And then they suddenly, they, go, they look at my coverage of people that are talking. They go, they're looking for somebody to explain why this doesn't make sense. And they find the work like this. And they go, thank God, somebody's giving the truth. Whether it's me or anybody else, I'm, I, I think I'll give them the truth, but you guys can decide. But the point about the groups, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, they, most of these groups are ones that have at least started or already have normalized with the Israel, and they're the ones stepping up and calling for a ceasefire. So it just shows you that the, that the politics have broken down here. People are obviously aware of what's going on. And they're saying that the right to self-defense does not justify the flagrant violations. It also called for the immediate release of hostages and civilian detainees. It says it warned that the conflict, quote, may expand to other regions in the Middle East and have far-reaching consequences for international peace and security. Interesting, right? Because that's what they're saying. They think Hamas is going to topple, like uh, Hamas is on the southern border in the United States all of a sudden. Like it's just a dumb, clumsy argument and they're all Iran's doing it or whatever. The real, the reality of the situation is that what they're doing is going to cause far-reaching consequences, and they're just already trying to get ahead of the narrative and blame everybody else for what they're causing, which is one of the worst things I've seen in history, in my opinion. And now people are going to be upset about that. You're going to cause reactions and blame them for what they do. Officials from a host of UN agencies warned Thursday that Gaza had become effectively an un- unlivable with stores of fuel, water, and food having run out, and the health system continuing to collapse. You know why that's so insulting? Because they said that a decade ago. What do you mean, Thursday, we said it's become unlivable? You guys said it was largely unlivable. Like, I mean, I saw reports of this before this started. I saw it a year ago. 
It's just so frustrating. We just need to be honest about this and just say it has been a hellscape created by Israel for decades. Expendable. Thank you, guys. I should have looked in the chat. Thank you for pointing that out. I think that was the word I was looking for. I feel like it started with an I, but maybe it was expendable. But that was that word actually works best. That they, they, they feel, back to the point for the podcast, they got the word for me in the chat. They see hostages as expendable. They don't think that they're important, that they're willing to kill them all to get what they want. Now, going forward, it says, with hospitals already out of beds, as we were already seeing in the video, and doctors treating the wounded on floors and hallways, illness has begun to spread. Now, I get worried about this. Now, look, that's a reality no matter what. When you're in situations like this, when people are starving, when there's no you know, health systems, there's no, there's no waste systems, things get gross and people start getting really sick. That happened in Yemen with a cholera outbreak and so on. But my point is, one, this is done deliberately. This is how they, this is one of the weapons of war they've always used, the U.S. included. With, we see that in Yemen. But I'm worried this will be used for the whole biosecurity state angle, whether that was the plan or not. Over the past week, the U.N. has recorded 7,000 cases of acute respiratory infections. What are they, are they calling it COVID? It's very strange. Not strange, I mean, it's worrisome, I should say. About 3,000 cases of diarrhea and hundreds of cases of scabies and lice, according to the... And of course, the, all the people that are racist are going to say it's because they're grown. No, it's because you put them in that position. You've taken things from them. You don't give them food, water, fuel, and then blame them for being in that situation. Now, the uh, United Nations Palestinian Agency ref, uh, uh, Chief, what was it? The G General Director, I think was his, his title, Lazarini. Oh, excuse me, Commissioner General, right there. The Palestinian Refugee Agency wrote that Gaza was being strangled. Quote, the few convoys now entering will, will not assuage the civilian population's sentiment that they have been abandoned and sacrificed by the world. Why, why, why do you expect people like this to act in good faith or to act in the interest of what you think is the better? I mean, these people, not just because of what's going on now, they have, feel they've been abandoned for decades. For, 50, 60 years, if not longer. I mean, 75 years in total. My point is, at least I bet you in the beginning, they held out hope that there was somebody good in the world that was saying, the point is that these people are not, the reason they don't want to leave their homes is because they've been through this before. Just because you may be newly aware of the situation does not mean they're new to this. Now it says, Israel's refusal to allow fuel into Gaza would mean, quote, no humanitarian response, no aid reaching people in need, no powerful hospitals, no water, no bread. That's the point I'm trying to make. The fuel is the linchpin to giving the aid. And so they bring in a very small group of, of aid and then pull back the fuel. They know what they're doing, guys. And this is the UN telling you. it's not They're, they're deliberately hurting people. He condemned the Hamas attack on October 7th. Then said, quote, this does not justify the ongoing crimes against civilian populations of Gaza, including one million children. That's the UN speaking. It's funny how that used to matter to these people. Quote, we will not be able to say we, don't, we did not know. He's putting them on notice right there. We know what's happening, and you do too. Lynn Hastings, the UN humanitarian court coordinator. So not the UN Pe uh, Palestinian Refuge Refugee Agency in Gaza. The UN humanitarian coordinator for the Palestinian territories, said Thursday that despite Israeli warnings to Gaza residents of Gaza to evacuate their homes, which, by the way, is illegal, displacement, not their decision, it's occupied territory, many have nowhere to shelter from relentless airstrikes. Advance warnings make no difference. 
another statement from the UN. So you can't keep pretending giving leaflets five minutes before you bomb means anything. Or putting out a notice in English when they don't have electricity on cell phones. I mean, it's deliberate, guys. On top of that, they bomb where they tell them to go. They bomb where they tell them to stay. They bomb where they tell them to cross. Disgusting. The Israeli military has continued its bombardment of southern Gaza, even after urging people to the north. This is the Washington Post. People are left with nothing but impossible choices. Nowhere is safe. She called for adherence to international humanitarian law, which she said, quote, means that civilians must be protected and have the essentials to survive. Right, that's the point. They have a legal obligation as the occupier, while they're occupying, to keep to take care of the civilians. And that hostages, all hostages, must be released immediately and unconditionally. Israel officials say Hamas is holding more than 220. And of course, there's the Washington Post doing what it does. Not talking about the 1,200 that Israel's taken since October 7th, which already dwarfs what they claim they currently hold. Not even getting into the 5,200 that they've held since before that. So you're, you're, what, 7,000 plus people killed, over 3,000 children, over 1,200 hostages in Israel, and then you're over here saying 1,300 killed, half of which were IDF, and 120 hostages. That's my point. They've created a situation that dwarfs what they're pointing at. That's their fault. They're murdering people. So then they get mad that you point at what's going on over here. Even those of us that care about any human life anywhere. It says Hamas was proposing to release all foreign civilian hostages. Here's the important part. They were proposing to release, according to the Washington Post, all foreign hostages in exchange, civilian hostages, for a five-day ceasefire. Think about this, guys. On the record, Hamas was asking to, they were like, we'll give you all these hostages if you give us a ceasefire. Israeli civilian hostages would have been released if additional demands were met, he said, including releasing Palestinian women and children. So an exchange in Israeli prisons, which is what they argued in the beginning, was their whole point, and the opening of the Rafa border crossing. So basically things that are legally supposed to happen anyway. And that they give aid to civilians in Gaza. Medicine, water, food. Okay. So if what Israel wanted was their hostages back, why wouldn't they have taken that? It reveals that they don't want these people back, guys. They then continued to bomb indiscriminately where they knew they were. They offered to give them back if all they did was give them food and their hostages back. They said no. And not give them food, give the Palestinians food, the civilians. Nope. They said no. So if you're an Israeli, that should infuriate you. If your mother, your daughter, your son is being held, they chose not to get them back because of a political motive. It says, quote, according to Hamas, we are ready to let them all leave. The United Nations could distribute the aid, he said, including fuel intended for hospitals, to fulfill Israel's demand that no supplies reach Hamas. Right, so what they're, they're going so far as to say, let the UN dictate this. So that way they can make sure we don't get anything. And the, R, the UNRWA is on the record, I think it's, no, it's not in this article, saying that we won't allow that to happen. We never allow that to go to Hamas. Because that's the narrative everyone's spinning. But they said no. Iranian foreign minister told the UN General Assembly in New York on Thursday that Hamas, quote, is ready to release non-military prisoners to us, stands ready to play its part. Quote, the world should support the release of 6,000 Palestinians held in Israeli jails, he says. But nope, 
Hannibal Directive. We will never again be embarrassed because if they did this, they would, they would look like they lost, essentially. And that's all that matters to these people. Not the hostages, not the civilians they want back or they claim to. Not the Palestinian civilians, clearly. Because they said no, and now they've continued to bomb. And you know what they keep saying? As Ben said, give us the children back. Well, you, you, you were offered the children and you said no. So what you want is the unequivocal conceding to say, here they're back and we want nothing, you win. So what you really want is to win at the expense of your hostages. Can't miss that. Now, again, we've already played this. This was from, I think it was Al Jazeera, if I remember correctly. And this was a former uh, Israeli politician. And it says in their own words, the plan was to ethnically cleanse and send them to the desert. That's this. Remember that he said this on the record already. And when he was asked about if all you want to do is protect the civilians, why don't you let them in Israel? It's very clear what he, how he responds. It's not something that we tell them, go, uh, go to the beaches, go drown yourselves, uh, God forbid. Not at all. There is a huge expense, almost endless space in the Sinai Desert, just on the other side of Gaza. And this is not the first time it will be done. The idea is for them to live over to the open areas where we and the international community will uh, prepare the infrastructure, you know, tent cities with food and with water. Now, Egypt will. I mean, they might be willing to do that just to get them out of occupied Palestine. But I, I highly doubt they would actually care about these people and give them what they need. I mean, you know, as well as I, that once they're in Egypt's control, they would just dump them there and leave. That's I mean, they've stated that they don't care and that these people are. I mean, aren't they the ones telling us they're all terrorists? Why would they want to give them anything once they're gone? They're lying to you have to play ball here because this is human life is at stake. You're saying civilians can leave, but only through the Rafah border, correct? At this point, yes. So they can't because go. Where else? Your country. You're making a corridor. They can go to. They can go to Egypt. You're bombing them. You say you want to save them, but you. It's a, it's a quick cut version of it. But the main point he makes, he the way he responds, all he does is smile, and the guy goes, "Don't stop smiling." Like he just smiles when he says that. The point is, obviously, if you really cared about rescuing civilians and you're claiming that they aren't the bad guy, then you would let them into Israel and keep them safe. I mean, for crying out loud, they technically they already technically live in occupied Palestine, which you call Israel. And yet they just they, so it's very clear. The desert point was what this was about. And here's what Mark GB says. And it's a great point st- uh, tagging this. what I call this staggeringly obvious where Matt Miller was swimming in his own lies trying to make this make sense covering up genocide it was embarrassing and he, and his point was israel has the right to do it but we believe it must do it in a way that protects civilians to the maximum extent possible that was his quite statement it's a it's a meaningless statement the strategy is clear i agree with mark to avoid responsibility for atrocities with this excuse they tried but Hamas gave them no choice they did the best they could exactly and guess what? They didn't try, and they did give them a choice, and they didn't do the best they could. And they're going to say that nonetheless. We know Hamas tried to, to exchange the, the prison, the ones that one they went back. They said no. They didn't try because they're bombing indiscriminately. And they didn't do their best because they're not even trying. As they told you, it's about destruction, not... It's in front of you. If you actually care about the truth, their own statements paint a picture that you can't deny. Censored man points out, in regard to this statement where he says in English, in, in a electronic delivery, when they don't have electricity 
An urgent message telling them to get out of the way for, what, the third time? Even though many people have already stated that's a war crime in and of itself, and that most of the ones that you're pointing at, you know can't leave, like the 400, 500,000 people at the UN, or the tens of thousands to 100,000, depending on which hospital we're talking about. They're all sheltering in these places now because you've driven them there. Here's And, and basically, this is what censor ban says. Israel literally has the worst PR team of all time. They have that clown Naftali who literally blocked him because he was fed up with exposing his lies. He also deleted a tweet, which I covered, confirming Israel bombed the hospital, but then deleted it and quickly changed the narrative. He claimed they bombed it because Hamas was there, then deleted the tweet. Everyone caught it. Even Twitter pointed it out. You have official Israeli officials, accounts getting community noted all the time and causing celebrity supporters of Palestine, such as Hadid's sisters, to get doxxed and receive death threats as they publicly shamed Gigi Hadid for supporting Palestine. You have journalists who are Israeli shills taking cover from Hamas rockets while people walk and cycle behind them. We saw that too. We have phone calls that have been released, which are impossible to verify. In fact, one has been proven to be false. Even BBC broke this down, showing a dialectic expert that proved it wasn't from Gaza and that they recorded two separate things and put it together, claiming it was one recording. They were lying to you. That was in regard to the hospital. And then they put out many since then for the same kind of lies. 3D animations, which is about the hospital, they release, which don't prove anything. They claim as some kind of proof that they were Hamas there. They have interviews with captured Hamas members, which I'll show you next or in a minute, which are under interrogation, which doesn't mean you should ignore it, but it means that anything can be historically, you always, you never take at face value things that are gained through interrogation. Ask the people from Guantanamo. Then you have this, a message to residents of Gaza in English when they speak Arabic and also while Israel has cut off their power. They know they're not going to see this. What they're saying is, get out of the way, and if you don't, you're a terrorist, basically. There's nothing more than propaganda for the stupid enough to West, for the people in the West that eat this stuff up. It's like the white helmets in English, or the Al-Qaeda chemical weapons instructions, literally written in English, even though it wasn't instructions, and it was from a book that you could literally prove. Like, they lie about this stuff in such real time. It's that easy to prove. As Rania points out, there's nowhere to flee because you're bombing everything. And with that, internet, without the internet, expect to see this message. But they bomb where they go. They bomb where they tell them to go. They bomb the crossing. I mean, this is such a blatant lie. And this person simply says, they've been warning for weeks. What are they going to, what, what are they, uh, what they were about to do? Given ample time. They've also dropped leaflets. Stop lying. Yeah. What, what about the baby incubators or the people with their in hospital beds or the elderly or the, right. They don't care, guys. That's the real point. They don't care. They're showing their grotesque nature. Now, Lowkey points out something important. It's been reported that these leaked documents show that Israeli Ministry of Intelligence plan before this to push 2 million people out of Gaza into, guess what? The Sinai Desert. It's everywhere. He admitted it. This is clear. The plan was to depopulate Gaza. That seems to have always been the, or the plan from the very beginning. Now, the cradle covered this. Israeli plan to ethnically cleanse Gaza. Now, you, I, I might go through this in the future, but the, you can read through it for yourself. The point is the same thing. This leaked document shows that the point was to effect, do through whatever action to get them out of this area into the Sinai Desert. And this go, and look, this goes way beyond this, but this is new information, but this goes way be, before October 7th. This has always been the effort, as far back as you want to look, including the original effort. Now, Vanessa Bealey points out Israel assets assert, excuse me, the safety of the solution. Or excuse, I can't read right now. Israel asserts the safety of the southern region 
right? Go over there, you'll be safe. Yet in reality, both the northern and southern areas are heavily targeted. I mean, look at these, look at the breakdowns, guys. Oh, you start right there and then the bombing. I mean, that's like 50% of the area. These are mostly civilian locations. They're gone. Look at that. Look at that. It goes on and on. I mean, they, look at they're wiping out this territory because they're, they plan to do something different there. That's the point. Look at that. Guys, that's incredible. Look at that. You know how many people that is? We're talking millions. I mean, in Gaza, right? We're talking about what? 2.5 is the point? My God, man. Now, here's an important point. Uh, Freedom Flotilla Coalition. And interestingly enough, goes off some older posts from 2019 where Israel joins the International Democracy Day. Yeah, what a sick joke, right? But is, and this person was talking about, it doesn't matter. The point they're making, Israel is internationally recognized as the occupying power in Gaza with legal responsibilities towards civilian Palestinian population under the Geneva Conventions. The link is right there. Applies in the occupied territories and establishes Israel's obligations in particular with respect to the humane treatment of the inhabitants of the, of the territories. So they're bombing these people, whatever their narrative is, and they're not only violating the Geneva Conventions, but basic humanitarian law, basic human nature. I mean, my God, everything, that, every, five different ways you can claim this is illegal. Now, to kind of wrap up here, the hospital angle of this is very important. Even CNN, when talking to this doctor, gets accidentally lets the truth out. I'll just let it play. This is what she asked him about the hospital that he's working at. Now, right now, he's at the Al-Shifa. Or is it Shifa? Yeah, Al-Shifa Hospital. The next one they seemed about to bomb or already begin to be bombing. Thank you, not in my name, for pointing this out. Now, listen to what he says in response. It seems like she didn't expect it. Coming from the Gaza Ministry of Health. They're talking about the child numbers and the numbers that Gaza's, the 7,000 total number and the amount of children dead. And here's how he responds. Hamas runs Gaza. But, but what do you make of that? How accurate do you believe the numbers are? Hamas does not run seen? Gaza. I mean, I'm so tired of these. They don't understand what they're talking about. I think President Biden is basically telling the Israelis that they haven't killed enough Palestinians yet yep. and that there's more room for more slaughter. Yep. If... I mean, this is the, the catastrophe here is that the, the foreign press are prevented by the Israelis from coming in to seeing the bodies that are piled up in the morgues, to seeing the daily uh, mass graves that are being now dug, uh, just to look after all of the patients, all of the dead that, that, uh, that are being uh, taken out from underneath the rubble. Uh, the, when I drove over a week ago from northern Gaza, to uh, uh, Shifa Hospital to, to escort a patient. Every time you drove past a building that had been attacked and demolished, the stench of dead and decaying bodies, you can smell it in the ambulance as you drove by. The, the, you know, it's estimated around 1,500 are still under the rubble, in addition to the around 6,000 who are killed. Right, so the, people like Ben and Alex and all the rest, this is, they're okay with this including that being many of the very hostages they claim they want back. How do you make sense of that? 17,000. You know, I mean, what, what President Biden has just described, I've just finished operating on a 13-year-old boy. He's the same age as my youngest child. And he has full thickness burns in his face, 
both upper and lower limbs. His mother is also very severely burnt in over 50% of her body. You know, trying to explain that not enough of that child, there are more of Anas, the boy, there needs to be more of him uh, 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 injured and suffering for this war to be stopped. I, I'm trying to figure out what is the quota for Palestinian blood that the American administration wants for it to force the Israelis into a ceasefire. God, just, it's horrific. And this guy is not based in Gaza. He goes there to help. What I, what I think is disgusting is how CNN just, you know, they let him talk at the very least. But, you know, they're in, in every other context out there completely whitewashing for Israel, right? I mean, it's just, it's, yet you hear people like this. He's there. He tells you what's going on. And then your very next segment is about how Hamas is the reason for everything. It just, it, it blows me away. Now, I was going to go through this more in depth, but I, I don't want to go too far past three hours today. But there's a lot of information. So he's on the ground. And it also explains in this way, you know, he flies there. He's a British Palestinian surgeon from London and he flies there. He did it in 2014. He does it when these things, when Israel decides to massacre Gazans, Palestinians. But he goes over some really horrific data from this, showing you how many people are being wounded. And his point is there's right now 15,000 wounded, he can tell. They only have 2,500 beds in all of Gaza. You start to wonder why this is such an obvious problem. That's not because they use the beds for war. How whatever narrative they want to spin, it's because they do not have the resources because Israel won't allow it. That's why. Even in non-wartime or whatever you want to call it, it's always wartime because it's an illegally occupied territory. But I, I mean, I'll, you know what? I'll save this for another another episode just because there's a lot I do want to cover in this. It's, it's pretty, it's overwhelming how much, just what's being done. Now here, the IDF points out, this is what we were referencing earlier. This is, this is, what they're claiming, just like the other one, which, by the way, don't forget, the other one where they claimed that they specifically hurt, I forget, I forget was, it was babies, I forget the claim they made, but the, one of the videos they pointed out, the claim has been shown to be false. But yet they used the video saying, see, here he is admitting to it. Well, okay, now we know it's false, though. So right there, that throws into question these supposed coerced interrogation points. Uh, not even getting into the fact that interrogation is typical to cause they'll, they'll say whatever they want to stop being in torture that's how torture works and guess what the u.s even knew that when they went on to do it at guantanamo it just kind of shows you that they don't care but this person says the al-shifa hospital the point is they're claiming that they're this is the evidence that the terrorists are telling you that they have the al-shifa hospital loaded up with bombs and whatever else that's why they're trying to claim that they need to target this even though there's i don't even, i forget the total number Thousands at the very least of people in that hospital. No, the Al-Shifa, I believe, is tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. I'm forgetting which one the UN, the, the UN has made it clear as long as well as the as the specific Palestinian refugee agency that in many of these locations, they've gone all the way up to hundreds of thousands of people in the surrounding areas. Because the building is one thing, but you've got people that are just packed because what's happening is I think last time I checked, it was the 17th, I think, 14th, I forget the date of the article, but that was talking about specifically Al-Shifa at already tens of thousands. Since then, you have had loads and loads of people that have nowhere else to go that have just packed into these locations, many of which have come from the last one they bombed, right? The Ali hospital and so on. These people are stuck. And now what's happening? They're going, better get out of the way. We're going to bomb. There's bad guys there in the hospital. Now we're going to, we're warning you to get out. 
that literally sending messages. They're saying, if you don't leave, we're going to get you, even though they're pretending we won't bomb it. And if it's bombed, they blame Hamas. It's just infuriating. And now as they put out the video saying, see, this is what they're using. It's the, it's the low main hospital here. But they say, look, he admitted it, right? Well, here's an important context video. Orwell sent me this. This is from, well, this is posted from Dr. Mean K. Hussein, uh, Hussein. Here's the full video. I'm only going to play the clip there, though. It's lined up right here for the spot. But here's the clip. And what this is about, and this is specifically uh, Edward Said. Uh, and this was at the Institute of Contemporary Arts in London in 1986. I'll just let it speak for itself. It's in regard to this exact kind of context with taking somebody in and interrogating them. Was in '82 when Lebanon was uh, South Lebanon in particular was invaded. They captured. I wasn't there at the time, but I found this out afterwards. Um, that w what they would do, or the Israeli uh, broadcasters uh, through the army, obviously would do, would pick up these people and then put them on the radio and interrogate them, uh, so as to sort of, uh, well, it was a form of psychological warfare, obviously, to inter interrogate them and to discourage other Palestinians from resisting, and to show how a Palestinian was confessing to the most heinous crimes. So since they were all terrorists, um, this man knew that he had to play the role of, of a terrorist to the Israeli interrogator. Now, the interesting thing is that when it was presented by the Israelis, it was an instance of terrorism. Here's this man demonstrating a kind of textbook case of, of, of terrorism. In Beirut, the reason, the, the, one of the ways I got this is that this, this, a cassette recording of this was made and played over uh, in the evening as a way of entertaining people, how this Palestinian sort of putting on... Uh, putting on the Israeli interrogator. So, I mean, I'll translate, actually, I'll translate some of the Arabic stuff in it. Um, Israeli broadcaster, your name, captured Palestinian guerrilla. My name is Ahmad Abdel Hamid Abu Sitti. What's your movement name? My movement name is Abu Layl, which in Arabic, oh, in English means father of night. I mean, a rather threatening kind of horrible sound to it. Tell me, Mr. Abu Layl, to which terrorist organization do you belong? I belong to the Popular Front for the Liberation in Arabic, he says, Jabha Shabi al Tahrir. Then he interrupts himself, he says, I mean, as the Tahrib, I mean terrorization of Palestine. <laughs> and when did you get involved in a terrorist organization? When I first became aware of terrorism. <laughs> and, what, and, and what was your mission in South Lebanon? My mission was terrorism. In other words, we would enter villages and just terrorize. Yani, in Arabic. And whenever there were women and children in particular, we would terrorize. Everything and all we did was terrorism. And did you practice terrorism out of belief in a cause or simply for money? No, just for money. What, what kind of cause is this anyway? Why, is there still a cause? We sold out a long time ago. Tell me, where do the terrorist organizations get their money? From anyone who has spare money for terrorism. In other words, from the Arab regime. I mean, it's, it's incredible that this, this that the Israeli, well, it goes on. I mean, it's obviously too long, but anyway. What's your opinion of a terrorist Arafat? I swear that he's the greatest terrorist of all. <laughs> he's the one who sold us and the cause out. His whole life is terrorism. Of course, to a Palestinian, this could mean that he's the most committed of all Palestinians, you see. But it sounds as if he's a total sellout. Uh, uh, what's your opinion of the way the Israeli defense forces have conducted themselves? On my honor, we thank the Israeli defense forces for their good treatment to each terrorist. God. Do you have any advice for other terrorists who are still terrorizing and attacking the IDF? 
my advice to them is to surrender their arms to the IDF, and what they'll find there is the best possible treatment. <laughs> Lastly, Mr. Terrorist, would you like... <laughs> Mr. Yanni, would, would you like to send a message to your family? I'd like to assure my family and friends that I'm in good health, and I'd also like to thank the enemy broad... He said, the enemy broadcasting facility for letting me speak out like this. You mean the call Israel... The voice of Israel. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, of course. Unnaturally, sir. <laughs> now, obviously, there's two ways you could look at this, right? I mean, you have the conversation about this being sort of like a play by one side. But the other point is that this was something that is being presented as real by Israel and whether or not this is being coerced. The bottom line is that these things are never taken at face value in these situations. And yet this is what keeps getting put forward. Now, when we later go on to prove after the fact that this, look, I mean, first of all, let's realize, well, and what you're seeing here from Al Jazeera, of course, which even if that was the case, they'd probably reject it. But Hamas rejects the claim that they have installations under the Al-Shifa hospital. So when they bomb this, which is what they're trying to build right now, understand that right now by claiming this and putting the guy out and claiming that it's their hotspot, there's lots and lots of innocent people here that can't move, according to the UN, unable to move. So what are they, are they going to bomb it like they did the other one? Well, when they do, they're going to say, well, Hamas is or Hamas did it or whatever the narrative is. And it just gets looked over. And yet, when, if we end up proving, let's say, that they did this, nothing happens. So it's just about setting up these clumsy narratives. And we have to realize that when they put forward the person like that, that it seems my point being is that we later prove they didn't do it. In, or rather, didn't that they that Hamas wasn't there? Rather, it the, we, just, what, that we don't even go back and say, "Well, look at this." They've got this video where the guy says it. The point is, it just ends up becoming narrative, and the people in power allow it to go forward because they're in line with the narrative, the agenda. Now, down here it says a couple important. I think two things I highlighted. Where was that? Or I guess not. That's weird. Huh. Anyway. I thought I had something highlighted, but no, this, this is something I wanted to point out just that includes the hospital conversation. This was the person I pointed out earlier. I simply noted that the hospital Israel is preparing to bomb because what this is relating to is this video, right? Where they, it's like this animation video, which literally proves nothing. It shows a bunch of red squares. And I mean, even through experts, you can't discern, discern that doesn't show anything other than what you claim is there. And what are you claiming? It's underneath those areas. Like it just doesn't make any sense. But of course, as I said, this person, this now confirmed because Israel said that's stupid. I said it confirmed equals Israel said they have verifiably lied numerous times already. That building houses hundreds of thousands of civilians unable to relocate when they target this location. The excuse given above will be cited by those whitewashing war crimes and genocide, which is exactly what's happening. But I simply noted that the, they're preparing to bomb houses, civilians incapable of moving due to previous bombings of civilians. And note that Israel has already lied. These are facts. He calls me racist, I guess because he contorts that into a certain opinion that I didn't state, but and then discusses my daughter being raped. Now, I don't have a daughter, but he doesn't know that. The point is, this is how he responds to what I just said. Another racist, this effort wouldn't change his mind even if Hamas raped and murdered his daughter in front of him. Based on what? What am I that, that I that all I'm pointing out is that confirmed just Israel says something or the U.S. says something or anybody says something it doesn't mean it's confirmed. It means they stated that you haven't confirmed the information they're stating. You're just blindly accepting their narrative. 
And then I point out they lied about things, which we all know is true. The chemical weapon lie, the tape they've got caught in for fabricating, the 40 beheaded babies narrative that everybody's walked back. But I'm a racist and hope your daughter gets free. I mean, th this is the kind of thing we're fighting right now. It's despicable. And then, of course, yesterday, Israel strikes the vicinity of the Hal Shifa, just like the Ali. They start, they warn you and send messages saying you have to leave or we're going to do something and then pretend like they didn't do something, even though they warned them they would do something, which is all Ali. Then they start bombing around it. We're going to get in it. They were hoping they get out of the way. I guess we're trying to, like, again, it's not about, I think they care about lives it's because they're trying to move these people. That's what the whole point is. Trying to move them away, ethnically cleanse the entire area. Right. But so they're bombing around it. Like it's this, I, this, I predict this is going to happen that they're going to bomb it and probably blame Hamas, even though they told you they were going to do this and basically called it out. Like why would Hamas bomb their own central location? Like it, well, let's wait and see what happens. But here is the red, the red crescent. Palestinian Red Crescent pointing out that the, they have received serious threats from the occupation authorities to immediately evacuate the Al-Quds hospital in the Gaza Strip. This is what I'm talking about. They're telling them to immediately leave and saying, if you stay there, you're a terrorist. And then when it gets bombed, they go, well, I didn't do it. Hamas did it. And the media laps it up. While the Israeli occupation forces have deliberately continued to launch rockets directly near Al-Quds Hospital in Gaza to force medical staff and displaced individuals and patients to evacuate. You see my point? It's exactly what's starting to happen at Al-Shifa right now. This has caused significant damage to the hospital departments. And look, they're already hurting people, guys. Look at this. These are people that are there because they're trying to get safe from what else is happening, and now they're bombing them. Investigations, now this goes into the Al-Ali Hospital, which we've already broken down. And Al Jazeera did their own investigation. And the UN, by the way, and here's what the UN said, and what it says that reveals discrepancies because they lied about this. But the Palestinian Health Ministry has said more than 470 people were killed in the explosion of the Al Ali Hospital, while Israel said the number was deliberately inflated. But guess what? U.S. intelligence said it was between 100 and 300, so it's pretty much what they were saying. In the days leading up to the explosion, Israel ordered 1.1 million Palestinians to go south, and then, of course, bombed everywhere they told them to go. But we all talk, we don't we don't talk about that part ahead of the looming ground offensive, which isn't seemingly happening. Israel's military specific, specifically issued evacuation warnings to this hospital. Right. So we're supposed to pretend that they would tell them to evacuate, tell them that they stay their terrorists. And then but they didn't bomb it, though. <laughs> it just it, it, it defies logic. But it says on Friday, a spokesperson for the U.N. Human Rights Office said staff were trying to collect evidence on the ground. But guess what? The heavy bombardment. And the shortage of fuel made it near impossible. What do you know? The two things they're doing, which are illegal, the withholding fuel and the bombardments are making it impossible for them to find out whether they lied or not. What do you know? Funny how that works out, right? An investigation by Al Jazeera found Israeli statements seem to have misinterpreted the evidence to build a story that one of the flashes recorded was rocket misfire. They lied, guys. And I mean, there's been numerous experts that have broken this down. Now, uh, Francis Albanese, UN Special Rapporteur, says hospitals and other medical facilities are protected objects, right? So just because you claim they're there, or even if Hamas was there, you're still not allowed to bomb them full of civilians. I've been saying this from the beginning. When they go, what are they supposed to do? Not commit war crimes. Anything else would be acceptable. <laughs> it's, just, it's a dumb argument. What else do they do? Go in on the ground and fight them. 
But you see, they don't want to do that. Bombing a hospital during an armed conflict is a war crime, no matter what the circumstances. Also, the United Nations has voted a ceasefire. This must be respected and enforced. But the point is, that's the, that's the UNGA. The point is they keep vetoing. U.S. has vetoed the ceasefire possibility twice. Jagan uh, Champagne from the Sec- Secretary General and CEO of the International Federation of the Red Cross says, I'm deeply alarmed to hear the Palestinian, the, the, the Palestinian Red Cross teams at the Al-Qaeda Hospital have again this morning been told to evacuate. I cannot fur- stress this further. There is an urgent need to de-escalate in, because that's a war crime. Say it, guys. Have the courage to say what you're actually alluding to. Vanessa Billy points out the camera keeps filming even after Israel murders two paramedics. It's war crimes. Where where are we going to go, doctor? I don't know. We have to duck down. They're talking about breaking the door because they don't know where to go. Both of them were killed in the airstrike. His camera continued to record after he died. And another one for good measure, yeah. These are medics, guys. They do this everywhere. They bomb. They shoot the medics when they're helping people in Gaza. They bomb medics in Yemen. I mean, these these powers are always doing this. They are the ones doing this on a routine basis and acting like everybody else is committing these crimes. It's despicable. Now, a couple quick points to finish here. But Selim points out an Israeli human rights group, thirty human rights and civil societies NGOs in Israel released statements urging the international community to act upon unprecedented levels of state-backed settler violence in the West Bank. A totally, I mean, it's not totally, it's a different topic involved in occupied Palestine. But realize what's happening here. I mean, we're everyone, and rightly so, we're so focused on what's going on in Gaza. As Syrian girl was pointing out early on, there's literally roving gangs of settlers. They're not even official forces that are murdering Palestinians in the streets. There's now 30 human rights groups that are calling for a, for international action, state-backed, Israeli government-backed settler violence against people in the West Bank. Today, 30 leading human rights groups and anti-occupation NGOs in Israel signed an open letter to the international community urging immediate action to protect the Palestinians in the West Bank from settler violence and forcible transfer. Everybody sees what's happening. Following the seventh murder of a Palestinian at the hands of an Israeli settler since the began, I think it's far more than that, quite frankly. I know we're up to over 100 people in West Bank right now. So far, this wave of extreme violence has led to the forcible transfer of at least 13 Palestinian agricultural communities. Entire communities. They are doing this. And Jordan argued that if this happened, this would be war. That's why I think Jordan is now speaking up and saying what they're doing is is war, war crimes. But the point is, they're trying to remove all Palestinians, because that was always the plan. Just in case you thought that wasn't clear, here's what he says. And we heard him earlier telling he was going to shoot Israelis if they just simply blocked the street. He says, the right of me, my wife, and my kids to travel around the West Bank is more important than the right of Arabs. Sorry, Mohammed. 
but that's the reality. So why is that? Right? Why is that? Why is it? Why is it more? Isn't the West Bank where you where is is the specifically Palestinians are living? <laughs> so what he's saying is it's the right of his family because he's a Jewish Israeli. Is more important than the Arabs. So you know, that's called racism, guys. That's what that is. It's an apartheid state. Period. <clears throat> now, what we're really talking about here is the Zionist controllers that are using this. We have to understand that. But it doesn't make them any less racist or any less belligerent. These people are lunatics. But he is laying it out for you. They don't matter as much. But let's continue pretending like they're ca taking care of them. Now, just to end in general, House Speaker, Russia, China, and Iran are the new axis of evil. Here we go again, right? Round and round we go. Always about creating justification by dehumanizing your enemy, right? Just like what's happening in Palestine. Evil versus good. Even though it's quite obviously never that simple. As many, hopefully all, Americans, Israelis, and Europeans are rapidly finding out about their own governments in real time. Right? Just because you call yourself the good guy, it's rarely that simple as we're watching take place right now. But they're going to tell you, these are the bad guys. Those are, they're evil. So it doesn't matter what you think is happening. They're evil. So they're, 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 they're frothing at the mouth to murder just because they like to murder. That's, that's the kind of narrative they spin like with Assad. That's what this is meant to do. Here's Netanyahu doing the same thing. This is our second war of liberation. We're going to fight and we're going to good. It's going to be good over evil, light over darkness. These people are lunatics. And this is the guy that basically nobody supports in Israel. But yet he's hope he's directing this to you. That's what's happening. This is Spain's Minister of Social Rights, again speaking up. Bring Netanyahu before the International Criminal Court so that he can be tried for what he is, a war criminal, according to NATO ally Turkey, to pretty much everybody else paying attention. Now, I think that was, uh... oh, that's right, this one, I'll end with this other one. This one was added last. In response to a recent operation of Hezbollah, according to the sprinter anyway, the Israeli army announces an attack on the villages of southern Lebanon. So now... I mean, again, understand Lebanon was already involved. Hezbollah was already involved because Israel is already occupying parts of Lebanon and it's on the border. So I doubt this will pull in everybody else, like something like the U.S. being directly involved, like kind of they already are would. But nonetheless, they're now beginning to pull it. I think they want this to become so desperate that other allies feel they have to step in. And then it's going to become World War. I mean, that's what this already seems to be coming because of the belligerence of the Israeli state. That's what it is. And lastly... It's not just the Israeli state. As al Maidin English points out, cut off from the, same, cut from the same cloth. The savage Israeli bombing on Gaza is not unprecedented. Similar acts of terror were carried out by the allies of the Israeli occupation throughout history. And here is a fraction of the examples we could list. The U.S. bombing of Vietnam in 1964. Indiscriminate civilian bombing. The bombing of Cambodia. Carpet bombing. 1969. Civilians. NATO bombing of Yugoslavia. Uniquely horrific. U.S. bombing of Iraq in 2003, right? The Raqqa conversation, just like with Palestine. They were digging people out of rubble for years. I was it years or months, a very long period of time because they didn't have the, what they needed and people were, it's disgusting. NATO bombing of Libya, 2011. It just, it never ends, guys. These are the people that do this. And yet they blame everybody else for what they continue to do throughout history as they occupy, as they destroy, as they invade, as they starve to death people that they're invading. They point at everybody else and say, you're the one. Bad, guys. These are bad people. We need to see this.
thank you for tuning in, guys. Too much to get into every day. I didn't, I didn't even realize. See, I didn't even realize my camera was off center. That, again, that's not by, that was, anyway. <laughs> it's just so, these things are set as they were before. And for some reason, it's different. There's so much going on. I tell you, man, I, 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 it's unnerving. It is, but I'll tell you, it makes me work all the harder. It makes me push harder every single moment that I feel that something is trying to stop me from doing this, but I'm not. I'm going to fight for these people that need to be fought for the innocent people that don't have a voice that are being stepped on and being called the bad guy as they're the ones being victimized. It's just absolutely abhorrent. So thank you for helping. Thank you for tuning in and supporting this, this, our efforts. Thank you for supporting anybody who's trying to be honest about this topic and is not cowed along by political games and partisanship and Israeli lies. If you want to support this platform, you can do it a lot of ways as we've been talking about the donation platform on our website, just $1 a month on recurring basis, guys goes more ways that it goes further than you can imagine. So help us reach out, support us on our sub stack, on our buy me a coffee, our autonomy program. It's all listed down below. We need your support. They need your support. Quite frankly, that, that's where your support should go. If you want to send some support, find a place to help people there. Secondarily, if you want to support us, talk about it. Send your support here. I love you all. Thank you for being here. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.